0: Peace to hearts. What's up? It's your boy, Eru, host of the Dynist Podcast. This is a dire state of mind. i by myself right at the moment because State is at work getting himself together. He should pop in in a second. But um, today I'm rocking with uh, Stupid Videos, man. So we, we're going to talk about him. He, he's um, actually a draft expert. I would like him to get, you know, all his um, points across so, so you guys can get to know him. He has a lot of good content on his Twitter um, page, man. So we, we'll get him right in here right now so we can just start this up. What's going on, man? So Yeah, what's, what's going on? on should I call you stupid? <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. Should I should I call you uh stupid?
1: Hey man, call me whatever you want. A lot of people go by that. <laughs> I, I don't care. My name's Stupid Videos, so hey man. Whatever you yeah, want yeah. to call me. My name name's also Mike. You can call
0: me Mike Stupid Videos, stupid. Don't really care. No problem. Okay. Right, how about this? I'm I'm going to call you stoop cuz cuz um constantly calling you stupid is, is kind of like crazy. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> especially somebody comes in here and is like what the hell are you calling this dude stupid? All right. Yeah. yeah. But I get it, man. So let's so let let's get stupid with with this whole thing, right? Word up. That's like a, a little dry, corny joke there. But um, you know, you have been going crazy on Twitter, man. I saw I'm seeing the evolution of it. You started it off. You had the, you know, you had your little the the, um, the little picture there. But um, you didn't match the picture to your name, and now now you match the picture to the name and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. what's, what sticks out the most to me now is like this draft stuff. You really are showing off your your chops as far as like being an expert and stuff. So I'm, I'm going to call you expert. You're like the Twitter draft expert for for us Knicks fans here. Sorry, say that again? Sorry, you kind of cut out there again, of course. Yeah, no, I'm just calling you the the, the, the Twitter draft expert.
1: Yeah. yeah, you want to start off with uh, number one? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So uh, number one currently, this one I know is probably going to be a little bit controversial. But uh, number one overall, I got Chet Holmgren. So let's go into my little scouting report thing I got going on here. So Chet Holmgren to me is an elite shot blocker due to his elite timing, hand-eye coordination, and anticipation skills with an elite standing reach and overall defensive IQ as well for a freshman center. And he knows how to use those elite attributes very well for a 19-year-old seven-footer in my opinion. He understands angles and how to use them against his opponents to compensate for his lack of strength very well and on both ends too. He can guard majority of uh, people three through five uh, extremely well for someone his height. I would say he's probably a better defender three through five than majority of seven footers in the league currently. He has a seven foot wings or seven foot six wingspan, and uh, from all accounts, is a legitimate seven footer. He is an elite shooter for a seven footer with a 37.5% three point attempt rate and a 39% three point percentage. He's got elite touch around the rim with an above 70% two-point percentage and borderline elite touch at the free throw line as well with a 72% free throw percentage which is of course amazing for somebody with uh, his combination of skill, talent, age and length. He's not afraid to draw contact at a 36.2% free throw attempt rate which is pretty solid when you realize his uh, 38.4% three-point attempt rate and uh oh and not only that we had Drew Timmy deep in the post often which forced Chet out a lot of times and made a move onto the perimeter where, of course, you're not going to get fouled as much. Uh, Every advanced metric points to this kid being a... I can curse on this, right? Like a motherfucker. Perfect, yeah. So uh, every advanced metric points to this kid being a fucking demigod. Uh, He's got solid footwork from all three levels, uh, shows a three-level scoring potential, which is, you know, huge, especially for big men today. I'm of the believer you don't take a big unless you see him being at least an all-star in the top five, and I'm... Got him in my uh, first tier, which is my perennial all-star tier. So I I think pretty highly of him. And I should say, I'm sorry, I should say tier one is my perennial all-star potential tier. But uh, yeah, and not only that, but he's also a very good, or he's got a very good passer for a 19-year-old as well. But of course, the uh, biggest thing when it comes to him that people tend to mention is his incredible skinny body for an NBA big man. And I mean, you have to wonder if someone that skinny can ever be an all-star player or win a defense player of the year award, or if he can, if he can even uh, stay healthy for that matter. If he, you know, I don't even know if an extra 15 to 20 pounds of muscle will do it. He may need an extra like 30, 35 pounds of muscle. uh, If he wants to be good enough to uh, be an all-star and defense player of the year kind of guy, which he definitely can be. And like I said, he's great at using angles to his advantage to make up for his lack of strength. But, of course, that's also in the NCAA. The NBA is, of course, a totally different game. I would say he also kind of overly relies on his length on both ends. He isn't the greatest perimeter self-creator yet. Uh, he may lose some of his switchability once he gains some of that weight, which, of course, he's going to need to gain. Uh, he should struggle when he first gets in the league against the bigger centers and power forwards of the league. And uh, he is also an older freshman who will be 20 years old on draft day. So, uh, yeah, I'll likely take a couple seasons from the showcase why he's worthy of a uh, top three pick, but I believe in him a lot. And uh, not only that, but I did notice Eggman Gonzaga, it looked like he gained a good amount of weight. Because on first, I want to say like when they were first doing like his preseason pictures and you like to do all that uh, marketing stuff in the beginning of the year, he looked pretty skinny, but it looked like he gained a good amount of weight. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. And, uh, yeah, that's my number one overall guy. What do you guys think about Chatter? would you guys have somebody different, number one, which I would assume you would. I think Chet's kind of a little bit controversial at the moment as a number one, but
0: yeah, go in. I have to mute myself. Yeah, man, I was listening to you, you know, good points by by Chet, man. I agree with everything, man, but, um, you know, I, I kind of like um, Panchero a little bit better. What, what, do, you, what do you think about um, Panchero? I, I love Paulo, man. I, I love him a lot. Uh,
1: I'm going to be honest with you, though the big thing that kind of scares me about Paulo is his defense and his jump shot from the outside. Uh, But really those are the only two things I'll say this. I think from day one, he's going to, I think he's going to win rookie of the year and uh, day one, it's going to be between him and Ivy. I should say either him or Ivy are going to win rookie of the year. I think he might be the most polished player in the entire draft at the moment, but at the same time I can't see him ever being a real plus on the defensive end which kind of scares me he's pretty slow laterally and uh defensive IQ definitely needs a little bit of work but offensively there's a lot to love and if he can become a uh, plus three point shooter at the small forward or power forward position he's going to be he's going to be a killer man he's going to be averaging 25 plus points a game if he can do that i mean the dude is 6'10 which obviously that's that's huge that's like a, in today's game that's a center and this dude's playing like a shooting guard but he's got center size. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. Got a lot of upside as a playmaker. Uh, As I saw here, it looks like he had a positive assisted turnover ratio, which is relatively rare for someone who uh, is a Duke kid that's 6'10", 250 pounds and only 19 years old and will only be 19 still on draft day. He doesn't really have any glaring flaws in his offensive game. I mean, hes I would say like his biggest flaw at the moment would probably have to be his – I don't even know, because even his three-point shot, it was pretty good at Duke. It's just the form looked a little different, and it was very hot and cold. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses. Like, for example, you look at Chet, and you're like, all right, this guy, he's definitely skinny. That's a glaring weakness. You don't really see that with Paulo. So he's, uh, he's kind of like, how do I put it? He's kind of like an RJ in the way that he's a, uh, he's got a bunch of tools in his bag, but I wouldn't say necessarily has an elite one but he's going to be a damn good player. And if that three point shot comes along to the point that he's a plus shooter in the league, he's going to be a killer. I love Paula.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the top three picks, uh, you know, allegedly they're supposed to be all big men, man. So they, they're all going to be ranked with each other for, for like the next 10 years. They're always going to be compared to each other and stuff. So, I mean, how, how does, how does um, Chet and, uh, and Panchero, you know, how, how do they match up with each other along with, um, I guess you can talk about the other guy too, Mr. um, Mr. Jalen Smith, excuse me, Jabari Smith.
1: Yeah, Jabari. The big thing about Jabari is his defense. That's what I really love about him, to be honest. If he was, if him and Paolo were on the same level defensively, I would definitely have Paolo ranked well above him. I might even put, I probably put him in a different tier. But to me, Jabari, he's just such a great defender. He's got great footwork, amazing lateral quickness. He's very athletic on the defensive end. Uh, he's one of the better shooters that are six ten or taller that I've seen coming out as a freshman. You can tell the game comes easy to him and that he uh, doesn't have to work very hard to score against uh, NCAA athletes. He's a very fluid and agile athlete. Uh, He's got pretty broad shoulders and a lean body, which shows they should be able to put on muscle pretty easily in the league, which should help his low two-point percentage and his uh, lack of ability to get to the rim in college and finish through some contact. He's got a very fundamentally sound turnaround jumper in the mid-range game, which should be a solid go-to move for him, especially since uh, a lot of taller forwards love using that move. He's got elite hand-eye coordination, anticipation, and defensive IQ for someone his age and size. And he also has a very good understanding of how to use angles, much like Chet, to stop his opponents on defense and take advantage of his uh, opponents on offense, which leads to a lot of easy buckets in isolation and him ranking a good... Er, uh gathering up a good amount of steals and blocks for auburn you could argue his archetype is exactly what you need in a modern four which is a very efficient stretch four that can play elite defense for you uh jumpers mechanically sound that he's got three level scoring potential so that's uh the big reason i'm hiring him i get why people aren't you know he's, he doesn't have the uh, deepest bag uh when it comes to the mid-range his two-point percentage is a little low for someone who's 610 but uh yeah, besides those two parts of his game and maybe his playmaking, which, you know, out of a four, you don't really need elite playmaking unless he's handling the ball a lot, which I don't think Jabari will be doing uh, early in his career. But I really like him a lot long-term because I think he's going to be an all-around player, kind of like a Richard Lewis type of guy, and I think he's a really
0: safe grab. Yeah, I, I was trying to Google who that player was. I, was. I was thinking of Rashard Lewis, but I was trying to Google his name and stuff, but he mm-hmm. definitely sticks out to me as, as as um you know, Rashard Lewis. You know, just yeah. just a, a three and D kind of guy. Well, um, what what sticks out with with um, with Jabari Smith to me is his confidence. He has like a, extreme mm-hmm. confidence. I think he I think he thinks he's better than than he actually is. But then he might actually just from that drive alone, I think that might that might drive him to be the the player that, that he thinks he is. You know?
1: Yeah, I've actually uh, listened to him in a couple of interviews. Very confident guy, like you said, very sure of himself, and uh, he seems pretty positive. He's going to be an all star in the league. He doesn't really seem like somebody. Seems pretty intelligent. Um, it doesn't really seem like somebody's going to cause any problems. Uh, he's confident, but I wouldn't say cocky. He's right. somewhere in the middle. I'm trying to think of like a comparison, like maybe like an Emmanuel quickly, where like he's humble but confident at the same time, kind of personality wise, somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, ADHD. You uh, got yeah. that ADHD. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably, uh, yeah, that's probably what I would go with with uh, jabari And he also. To me, if I had to give him a comparison, I kind of compare him to a six ten Gary Trent Jr. That's who he reminds me a lot of, which to me, that's a damn good player, especially if he uh has the similar has a similar lateral quickness that uh, Gary has, because most guys six ten
0: are relatively slow. And I can promise you he's not. So yeah. Well, you know, we got State walking around here with um with a busted head hand, and he's trying to find us is on his spot to chill and shit. So we'll we'll get to State in a second, as soon as he gets some um, settled. But um yeah. I, I wanted to, to go back to Chet also, man. You know, um I like I like Drew Time a lot, you know. So they, they kind of play the same position. So I'm looking at a guy like Drew Time, like um he went back to Gonzaga because he probably would have ended up being either undrafted or at the at the bottom of the draft. So how does somebody that, that's averaging more points than him, you know, more season and stuff like that, uh get passed up in that way um, compared to like a like a Chet or or mm-hmm. somebody similar to that?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's pretty simple. Uh his shooting, he doesn't really have much of a shot. Uh, he's obviously a lot older. I want to say he's like 21 or 22. I believe he's a junior. I think this is going to be a senior season coming up. So he's kind of like a Luca Garza kind of prospect or maybe like a Kelly o. Uh Best case scenario, if he learns how to shoot. But his defense is, it's pretty bad, man. I mean, I've watched him. He's got some of the slowest feet in the drafts. I believe he's only like 6'10". Uh, he's a little... A little fat, I would also say. No offense to him. I mean, I'm sure he's in great shape for a normal human being, but by NBA uh, person standards, he's uh, got a little bit of baby fat on him that he's definitely had to uh, get off, and he's had it for his entire collegiate career. So you have to imagine a lot of that's probably going to stay on at the NBA level. And a lot of it just comes down to two things. It's really just his defense and his, uh, and his uh, shooting. And if he can become a good shooter, I can see him being like a late first, kind of being like... A Kelly Olinick type of guy, but I don't ever see, see him being an elite defender and elite like Chet. He was out the gate, like amazing on both ends. Drew, it took him really till his second year to kind of stick out. Uh, so yeah, that's probably the big difference would be, of course, the defense, the shooting, where they are at the same age, and of course, the length and
0: athleticism. Yeah, I got you. So, I mean, Orlando Magic, what, what, what player oh. do you think they should take? Yo, hero, real good. quick, uh, give me.
2: Oh, hey, what's up, style videos? Oh, what's up, Eru? Eru, give me, give me like 10 minutes real Chill, man. So I wait for this guy. All
0: right, cool, man. Do do your thing. Just, just pop in when you get settled, man. All
2: right. all right, all right.
0: All right, so I'll pop State out. When State pops in, you know, I'll drop him in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, for Orlando Magic, everyone just is, you know, most of the mock drafts has Jabari Smith there, you know, but you like Chet. You know but i like Bancheros. so i mean look at looking at Orlando magic what do what do they do you know to, to start the, the draft off honestly I'll, I'll tell you i would go chet and here's why i think he's a perfect
1: fit next to a wendell carter jr i think wendell he's a lot bigger he can kind of handle the bigger fives of the league let's say for example they're going against a uh nicole Jokic, joan beat someone like that he's been able to stand his ground pretty well they got him signed to a pretty good contract they also got a pretty good defender in France, and he's probably gonna be playing the small forward position and uh, not only that, but he's going to be able to play the power forward and kind of play that Evan Mobley role that uh, Mobley did for the Cavs. They've got someone of a similar body type. I think uh, Mobley probably had like an extra 10, 10-ish pounds on him, uh, maybe an extra 15 pounds. I still haven't heard about his uh, weight. I don't think uh, Chet ever let his current weight out. He's, he doesn't want I guess, drop in the, uh, on the team's big boards, especially because you know he's going to go top three, so there's really no point. It's not much upside to it and a lot of downside to it. Right. But uh, I saw at the beginning of his freshman year, he was 190. So I have to assume now he's somewhere between 195, 200, I think. Mobley was around riddle. 210. Yeah, it's really skinny. So, uh, but yeah, he's got great touch like Mobley did. He's got, uh, he, he projects as a good shooter, solid ball handler. Uh, he's been improving rapidly. His uh, really, I would say his biggest weakness right now would, of course, be his size. But I would say he's actually a better shooter than uh, Mobley was. I don't Mobley didn't really shoot many, many threes, and while he, uh, I think he hit like four against the Knicks, on uh, that Ricky Rubio game, I want to say he, uh, I think he was only averaging like 0.5 made threes a game, so uh, he's not much of a shooter. Whereas Day One Chet will be, and much like Mobley, he's going to be an elite perimeter defender for a power forward between his length and athleticism. So I, I think he's going to make a really big impact, and on both ends. And like I said, much like a uh, Evan
0: Mobley. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it, man. You know, Chet, Chet to me, I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that everyone keeps talking about his weight because, I mean, you know, if you watch the guy play, ever, ever since he was in high school in the Senate, he's always been elite, just like R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's always been at the top of his class. Chet has always been at the top of his class no matter who they threw at him, you know, whenever, no matter what level, you always succeeded and stuff. So, I mean, like, you know, going into the NBA, I'm looking at him as like a, like a Kevin McHale to me, man. I'm, I'm just like – I'm getting like Martin, Kevin McHale vibes from him, you know, just for the simple fact that Mc, uh, when, when McHale came in, he was skinny as well. You know, uh-huh. he couldn't jump. You know, he got these big, doofy, long arms and stuff. But he eventually became, like, a 28-point-a-game score coming off the bench. So I think, like, Chet is going to be on that trajectory, you know, like, you know, getting to that point. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I can see that.
1: I think uh, at least when it comes to the Magic,
0: he's definitely going to start.
1: He's not going to be coming off the bench for them, uh, right. especially just because, you know, they need, they need a superstar-type guy. And Chet, if he can put it on – Like I said, 15, 20, maybe 25 pounds of muscle throughout his career. He can kind of be that. I could also see another good comparison for him being if KP never got injured. Uh, KP, I want to say he came out at about 208 pounds. And uh, Chet's around 200. He's probably like eight pounds heavier. But at the same time, KP, I believe he's 7'3 when he came out of the draft, whereas Chet's 7'1. So BMI-wise, I think they're pretty close. So I think that's probably the two best comparisons right now is an Evan Mobley and a Kristaps, but a healthy Kristaps is knock on wood. Of course, Chet hasn't dealt with any real injuries yet.
0: Right.
1: So I would probably say those two would be my go-to comps. I, but I do like the one that you had. I just uh, think it's going to be a different role just because he played on such a great team, whereas the Magic, you know, it,
0: it's still Orlando Magic. Yeah. Well, you know, Chess bag is so big, man. Compared to the rest of the guys, he has so many different moves. He can go outside. He has like he can finish with both hands. He can spin mm-hmm. both ways. You know, he 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 can he can score so many different ways. And just like no matter what the defense gives him, that they try to be physical with him, and he's able to always like overpower—not not overpower, but just like over-manipulate—or just like mm-hmm. you know, he's just so crafty as as a young player. So yeah. I, I can't imagine him like in another five years how 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 far he's gonna get.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, a lot of it is he uses his length. And like I said earlier, he's uh,
1: got a very good understanding of angles. Like he'll quickly read like, all right, this guy's left foot is leading. He's a righty. Let me burst to the uh, right of him and, you know, get by him pretty quick since he's leading with his left foot right now, or he'll see he's in the post right now. see the guys trying to make him go left. He's uh, pretty anti-dexterous when it comes to uh, at the rim. So he will try to finish with his left. So you can be, you know, opposite hand whatnot. Um, So yeah, he's a, uh, He's a very skilled guy for a seven footer. I mean, if this guy was an extra, let's say 20 pounds of, if he had an extra 20 pounds of muscle, I mean, he could be going over like K. Mobley in that last draft. He's, he's that skilled. That's really the biggest question for him: is, is he going to be able to put on muscle? And if uh, that answer is yes, he's going to be an all-star. There's no doubt about that in my mind, especially next to a guy like uh, Wendell Carter Jr. or uh, Mobamba as well, who can, you know, kind of defensively cover up for his uh, lack of size.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. When Carter Jr. he's he's a, basically now he's a seasoned veteran, so he could protect you know Chet in in that way. So you know they'll be able to do that. You know, so uh-huh. I I think I think I, I agree with you with with the pick for Chet to to Orlando. But I still like Pancho though. You know, because just for the simple much. fact of the whole Walt Disney shit, I I feel like they can they probably could um you know like advertise him a little bit better just just from the the wow factor, his athleticism, that type of thing. You know, to put you know people in the seats. But skill-wise, you know, I think Chet's the guy. You know, Yeah, I I would say
1: Banchero's got definitely the higher floor. I think Chet's got the higher ceiling. So it depends what you want. If you want a guy like Paulo, who is probably going to be like three, four-time all-star, but never make like an all-NBA or defense, uh, all-defense team, then, yeah, you can take him. He's going to be a very, very good player, give you around 25 a game, probably play like slightly below average to average defense. Uh, he'll be a very, very good player. I'm trying to think of a comp for Paolo. Uh, maybe like a 90% Carmelo Anthony kind of guy. That's yeah. probably the kind of the guy that I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah. Carmelo uh, Anthony does be even his Wheaties, man. Cause Pancho's yeah. pretty, he's pretty strong, man.
1: Yeah. John, oh yeah. He's a big boy. He's like 250 pounds already. And
0: you know, that's him at 19. So yeah, yeah. he's going to be, he's going to be huge. He's going to be a big boy. Yeah, definitely, man. So I mean, this, this is a Knicks podcast, man. So I, I just wanted you to get your, your stuff up because I know you can talk, and um, you uh, you let everyone know your enthusiasm about the draft. So, like I said, I, I'm looking at you as a draft expert. So, like I would, I would love for for people to to look look for your for your information, your page, and everything that you put up. You're putting up great graphics and stuff like that. So, um, you know, people need to, to really see the the hard work that you're putting in with this draft stuff. Hey, I appreciate it a lot, man. If you could, uh, if you could do that for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. So, I mean, we, let's talk about the Knicks, man. You, right now, you're, you're at 11 now. You just posted that a little bit earlier today. So, you, you posted Johnny Davis as – this is really like um, the big board. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, talk about Johnny Davis because a lot of people seem to be talking about him when it comes to the Knicks.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny Davis. Johnny is – Johnny, and to me, I think, has the deepest mid-range bag in the entire draft. He's a great isolation creator. Uh, not only that, but he was on a team where – how do I, but he was on a team where it was ranked top 25, but a lot of that is because Johnny drew so much attention away from his de- uh, team defensively that it just made him and his team look a lot I'm sorry not him. It made his team look a lot better than they really are because you know the other guys were always wide open because he's constantly getting doubled and dealing with drop coverage or triple teams when he's hot. I mean, that guy really carried that team. Uh, he's a very good defender, especially for the uh, workload he had to deal with offensively. Usually guys, especially in the draft, if they're uh, the number one go-to guy and they're dealing with double teams and triple teams, they're not giving you much defensively. But when it comes to Johnny Davis, he gives you his all defensively. And you can tell at the end of every single game, he looks like he's dead, like he's ready to just fall asleep right on the court. So he gives us all. I like that about him. So like I said, probably is the deepest mid-range bag in the draft. Uh, he could be an even better fit in the NBA than college teams if the uh, team that drafts him has a good playmaking point guard to put next to him and uh, another player on the team that's a uh, better scorer than him. So he's not the one being game-planned around and attracting so much attention he's getting more easy shots. Uh, he's very active off-ball, always trying to find a, a way to get open. Uh, while he wasn't shooting a lot of threes or, or uh, particularly well from three, his mid-range game, free throw percentage, and soft touch around the rim, I would say points to him eventually being a very good three-point shooter down the line. He's got some good deceleration ability, which I think is very undervalued in the draft process. You look at guys like James Harden and the uh, best shooting guards in the game, Devin Booker, all of them have elite. Uh, Luka Doncic as well have elite deceleration ability. I see a lot of people saying that, uh, for example, Luka Doncic, he's not the most athletic of guys. But if you watch him, he is very quick at stopping. He can stop on a dime. I mean, he's not the quickest. He doesn't have the uh, highest of verticals, but. I mean, this guy can go from, you know, full speed to nothing in a quarter of a second. So I think I kind of see a little bit of that in Johnny Davis. Not Luka Doncic, but I see the deceleration ability that you see in a lot of stars in uh, Johnny Davis. And the Knicks, we really, in my opinion, I hear a lot of people say we need a point guard, we need a shooting guard, small forward, head coach. I think the thing that we need the most is superstar talent, me personally. I think that's our biggest need over point guard, over head coach, over anything we need that guy we need somebody who can be a jason tatum jalen brown and i still i still think rj can be a jalen brown but you obviously can't just have a jalen brown and that's it you also need another guy next to him you need your jason tatum you need your uh clay thompson kevin duran you know X player uh next to him so that he's not getting all the attention so that other guys are making the teams better so that you know other teams opposing teams don't know who you're going to in the clutch or in late shot clock situations so I think Johnny has a pretty high ceiling. He's a very good creator, plays very hard on defense. The only thing that kind of worries me about him is he's not the most athletic outside of his uh, deceleration ability. He's got a pretty low shot IQ. Like I said, his three-point percentage, not the greatest, especially for a shooting guard that's uh, coming out as a non-freshman. Uh, needs to improve as a playmaker. Uh, I would say he isn't necessarily elite in one area of his game isn't the most fundamentally sound defender and defensive IQ can also be questionable at times And if you're looking for him to be your franchise savior, you can carry your team to wins all by himself or who can carry a team when defensive tightens up and uh, in playoff situations, clutch situations, whatnot, and you're looking for him to consistently bail you out like a Devin Booker would, you're probably mistaken. Uh, I think he can be a very good third option, kind of like a shooting guard version of a Drew Holiday, but probably a little worse defensively. And uh, oh, this is probably the biggest thing that scares me when it comes to Johnny Davis, and the biggest reason I'm uh, put him at 11. He had more turnovers than assists last season, and finished with a just 46.4% efficiency field goal percentage in college. So stats-wise, he wasn't the greatest. I try not to put too much of a uh, I try not to put too much into stats in general, uh, especially because I love watching full games. I think intangibles are very important. For example, you look at RJ's stats and Randall's stats, they're not that different. Some can argue Randall had the better stats, but if you watch the games, you know, RJ was the more impactful player. Right. So, yeah, I would say it's kind of like that, where stats don't tell the full story, but, of course, the stats, especially in college, being uh that poor when it comes to assist turnover ratio and when it comes to uh, efficiency, is definitely a little worrying, even though, like I said, he did get a lot of attention.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I agree. I I, I enjoy listening to you talk about about, um, about basketball, man. You, you seem to... You seem to have a, a lot of a lot of knowledge in that head, and you're just trying to get you trying to get it all out of there, man. But I agree, I agree with you. Definitely with the change of speed with Johnny Davis, I I, I definitely see that in him. Uh, what what sticks out to me too is his rebounding. So I mean, I don't I don't have his rebounding numbers, so I don't know if it's like mostly offensive or defensive or what what kind of like how how was his rebounding impact? Because I, I see eight, and that that's pretty high for a guard.
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely a good rebounder, and he's uh that's another thing I forgot to mention actually. He's pretty strong. And that's uh, something I think scouts also tend to underrate in the draft process is uh, strength. You know, I know technically speaking, you're not supposed to have contact in basketball, but as a foul, everybody knows that's not the case. Majority of contact is not getting called. In fact, I would say all the way up to 90% of contact, since most of it is going to be uh, quote unquote marginal, uh, is not going to be called. So you need strength in the NBA if you want to be able to finish, if you want to be able to uh, create space, if you want to be able to rebound, box out. You know, just do a bunch of things. Uh, you need strength. He's a strong shooting guard, and I like that a lot for him, and that definitely helps him out on the, uh, when it comes to rebounding. And he's also got very good anticipation skills, as you can see with his rebounding. Uh, he seems to have a pretty good idea of where the uh, guy's boxing out is at all times. So, yeah, I really like his rebounding. And not only that, but uh, I have found that guards who are good rebounders tend to uh, succeed in the NBA. I don't know if it's a motor thing or what it is but uh guards that are good rebounders they seem to hit a lot so uh, yeah I think he's I think whoever gets them they're gonna be pleasantly surprised with uh, what they get out of him.
0: Yeah re- rebounding to me especially at the college level it just shows that you're paying attention you know a lot of the, the college guys they're really focused on some of them are not focused on the right thing you know but if, if you have a guard that, that's getting this rebounding well, you know that, that you know that he's he's like watching what's happening in the game. So I, I was just about to get get stayed in here you know but he just popped off again. I just wanna say what's up to the chat. We got uh, we got a few people of regulars. We got Geraldine here, uh, Pudge, Cully's here. Shout out to Andy. We got Worldwide L. Salute to you guys. Uh, missing anybody? Yeah. Salute to everybody that's, that's listening, man. So we we got um we got stupid videos here, man. He's giving us his um draft analysis, uh you know based off, off of things that he's been posting on Twitter, man. So I just you know this this podcast is really about him. they really like to get it get his um get his thoughts and stuff out. So um so everyone, everyone that, that that um that pops in on this video can see. See his knowledge of the game and stuff. So, I mean, who who do you think the Knicks um uh, should pick? You know, I know you got Johnny Davis at number eleven, but what what player do you think the, um, the Knicks should really um, should really try to get? Personally, I think it's pretty easy. I think it's uh I think it's J if you don't have to give up too much. I
1: mean, I'm of the mindset this guy he's in my perennial All Star tier. I think he's gonna be an amazing player, and not only that, but he was all right on defense uh, in his sophomore year. But he's got all the makings to be a plus defender in the NBA. If you watch him as a freshman, he was a very good defender as a freshman. He was definitely a plus defender as a freshman. And uh, I think a lot of his uh, defensive woes may have came from a couple things. It could have been the guys around him. Uh, Not only that, but he had pretty poor spacing there. So uh, he definitely wasted a lot more energy than he should have when it came to trying to finish, getting a lane, things of that nature. So I think that could also be part of it. And, of course, he was their primary ball handler. So... Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a plus defender. I think if you looked at his uh, shooting percentages, he looked like he had a pretty good shot. He shot close to 40%. And he's just electric in the open floor. He's uh, Not even the open floor, in half court. I mean, he's just, he can get to the rim at will, man. And he's he's strong. He, uh, he knows how to use his speed. He doesn't, there are some guys who have the speed, but they just play with the speed all the time. He knows when to use it, when to shut it off, kind of trick the defender and manipulate the pick and roll, manipulate the defense. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a stud, man. I mean, there's for him, he's one guy that I think may have the least weaknesses in the draft if he puts it all together. He like I said, the defense last year, eh, but at the same time, I mean, he's got the body and everything else you really want for a uh for someone to be a plus defender. He would fit well with us. I think he fit perfectly next to RJ, who's not the most athletic of guys, but of course Jaden Ivey, he is He is like in that top one, two percentile of athletes in the NBA from day one, especially for a guy with uh, his ball handling ability. I mean, it's just crazy how athletic he is for how skilled he is and how strong he is. So he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be like a 24, 5, and 5 kind of guy. I think he's going to be pretty efficient. I think he's going to shoot close to 50% from the field, around 35% from three, around 80% from the line for his career. Uh, I shouldn't say for his career, but for like his prime, maybe a little before that, like from like 23 to 33, I think that's probably going to be his averages. So yeah, he's going to be a stud. I think he's definitely a needle mover. And uh, if we can get him without giving up RJ, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. I even, I I would say the most I would offer right now would probably be 2023 pick next year, top five protected. Randall, the 11th pick, and Grimes. And one of McBride or Rokas, I'd be willing to give up all that for uh, Ivy if I have to. And that 2023 draft is stacked, but I mean this guy—he—he's just as good as Chet, Paolo, and Jabari, in my opinion. He's—I got him in the same tier. He's going to be
0: a stud, no doubt about it. So I mean I agree with everything you're saying, man. But um, what if Orlando gets stupid and say, hey, I, I want to get Jaden and Ivy instead of Chet? You think man, that? Man. You think that's possible at all? I, to be honest, do I think
1: it's possible? yes do i think it's likely 95 no. to 98 percent now
0: right but well, i mean listen you know the, the kings they, they suck you know they, they do they do have um swiper over there you know they got davion mitchell and um things in that nature they, they could go that route too they, they could be like they, they could believe they, they you know everyone could see AJ and ivy they could they, they they know his family his mom is incredible you know he has uh, his dad has the physical pedigree as well mm-hmm. you know so i mean um you know he he just uh, a guy that was born to play basketball so everyone knows this man so sacramento sees it as well so uh, even though you're giving this this massive package from from the Knicks, uh you know to uh, to sacramento sacramento might be like listen that that package might be nice or whatever but i think you know keeping this kid is probably like the the best option can you see you things keeping him uh Ivy. yes
1: I would say right now it's – fit. here's the thing. I would say it's probably 70-30 they keep the draft pick. Maybe – actually, I would say 65-35 they keep the draft pick. I would say it's probably – I don't know, probably like a 40% chance they take Ivy. But I heard they're really high on Keegan Murray, who I'm not necessarily the highest on. I would say he's a tier below Ivy for sure, and uh, there's a pretty big gap there. So personally, I know that they already have Davion, they already have Fox, but I think there's a big leap between him and Davion, and I think Davion can, you know, back you up the point guard and shooting guard spot so you get a good amount of minutes off him or for him off the bench, give him like 28 minutes if you back up both Fox and Ivy. And uh, not only that, but I think nobody's going to be able to keep up with both Fox and Ivy. You're going to have to have the most athletic guy on one of them, and uh, nobody's going to have enough uh, speed in their backcourt to keep up with both. So if I'm the Kings, I'm taking them, but it's the Kings, man. They uh, for some reason also I've seen that they think Sabonis is a center and they're looking for uh, power forward and maybe we can talk them in and say hey I know you guys are looking at Keegan Murray but twenty ten and five and 1st round pick and eleven come on take it and I think they I think they might fall for it
0: well listen the the fans seem to want it this is um I was gonna save this for another uh, pod but Chris um Pearson, I can never get his last name man but you know he's on um he's on Twitter whatever he's from Nick's Film mm-hmm. School um this is something that he screenshotted off of um. Uh, julius randall's page here so this is one of his posts uh, mm-hmm. I hope you can see it there but if you look at the comments there this is all Sacktown people <laughs> you see all the uh the wow. purple hearts and stuff they actually want julius randall on that roster there hey,
1: i hope so man because i was oh my god you guys you have no idea what i I'd do for jay ivy he's he's gonna be a major difference maker and not only that but you're gonna have him on a rookie contract whereas randall's gonna be making around 30 mil i mean that's the difference between Ivy for four mil and Randall for thirty, I mean, you could argue by Ivy's second year he's going to be a bigger impact player than Randall is, and he's only making four mil, not thirty like Randall. So if you can if you can make that deal somehow and make it work, I, I think it's a huge W for the Knicks. I think we got our two building blocks then, and RJ and Ivy. Then you really only be looking for like one more guy, and uh, depending on how much we give up. Uh, maybe fix up the bench. Maybe get like another high-level starter in there, and uh, you could be looking at a contending team. I think he's going to be that much of a difference maker. He's going to be a uh, like I think his ceiling is like a better defensive Donovan Mitchell with a slightly worse perimeter game. I think that's what we're talking here.
0: Yeah. So we got Julian Tran here. He said that, that that whole post there is fake from um, from Chris. It could be, you know, but around around this time of year, everything is fake, man. There's so much news, so much rumors put out there that. That um you um you just have to really just go by your two eyes or or just find somebody like you that there's some that that will give you like the real information you know because because you 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 take the time to break all the stuff down and you love it so I would rather listen to somebody like you rather than listen to half these rumors that these um these sports writers are putting out there so I'll click you know nicks for Knicks uh, for clicks clicks for yeah. you know, that whole situation there hell yeah man appreciate it yeah man so I mean. Listen, man. Jaden Ivey, I, I think, I think you know. Let's say if he was to make this trade, we get Jaden Ivey. Um, what do you think about Obi Toppin as being that that third guy? Because Obi Toppin, you know, he scored forty something points against you know, like you know, no competition, you know. But they yeah. also beat, I think, they beat Miami down the stretch too. So they, they were able to to be successful against um you know just a, a, in basketball. They they they, they this show that they could play. You know, so at R.J. as the second fiddle, maybe Jaden Ivey will grow into that number one. And um, mm-hmm. Obi as a third option. What, do, what what do you think about that? Just um, team building for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So I would say long term, I think
1: Obi's more of like a connector. I would say he's more of a uh, number four option on a championship team. That's assuming his three point shot comes along. Uh, but I would say this: I think he'd be a much better fit than Randall. He doesn't need the ball as much, and not only that, but Ivy, RJ, and Obi in transition. I mean, that's that's insane. That's that's Lob City right there. That. That'd be the we might be the best transition team in the entire league, depending if uh, Fibs lets us run. But if uh, if we can if we can get running with that team, man, I mean we might be averaging like pretty much a free 18 points a game off transition points just between those three guys. I mean they're that dynamic of uh, fast break guys. RJ's not the most athletic, but he's very creative when it comes to uh, transitioning. He's very aggressive, keeps his head up. Ivy he's electric in the half court. He's electric in transition. He's electric pretty much anywhere. He can get to the rim at will, and Obi—he's one of the better cutters in the NBA. And then not only that, we have another guy in Cam who's pretty athletic. I think that would be fun to have those five—I mean, those four guys run out there, and then you know, Mitch, great lob threat. Or you can kind of go small, play Obi at the five, move Cam to the four, RJ to the three, and then you can have uh, what's his name—I at the two, and then IQ at the one. And then you can kind of have IQ be your three-point shooter, put him in the corner while the rest of us run the break. Maybe put uh, RJ in another corner as well and uh you know help with the spacing when it comes to the fast break or maybe you can have iq as the playmaker on the fast break or ivy that's the nice thing about that lineup is i think cam rj iq and ivy they can all ball handle they can all play make they can all run it on transitions and uh handle the break and do whatever they can score they can play make they can do whatever so uh really outside ob he'd probably be the only one that's more of a cutter or a lob threat in that lineup and uh, it would be really dynamic. And not only that, but I, I just love fast-break teams. You watch, uh, for example, the Grizzlies. I think we could kind of be a Grizzlies-type team if we get an IV and OB develops into a good shooter, so that makes his uh, interior scoring and handles more dynamic. And not only that, but you have IQ coming back next season, hopefully. We don't have to include him in the uh, Jaden-Ivy trade. I think he'd be a great fit next to Ivy and RJ because of his shooting ability. And at the end of the season, you saw, man, he was – putting up 20-something point triple-doubles left and right, shooting great from the field from marching on. So uh, I think that would be a really fun lineup to watch. And same with Cam. He was also starting to go off towards the end of the year and play a really improved defense since uh, what he was doing in Atlanta. So I think they could be a really dynamic lineup. And if all of them, you know, take a big leap, I think we could be a, uh, a top six seed with that team if all of them take the big leap. And Ivy is like a day one stud, like a uh, Donovan Mitchell, for example.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with it, man. You know, to to me it's all about tradition. I have been I've been really harping on to the tradition stuff the last few podcasts. You know, um back in the 60s and then you know in the 70s when the Knicks were winning the championships and stuff like that, and even in the 90s, it was just a team-oriented basketball ball movement. You know, even though the Knicks were half-court and heavy with the defense and stuff, they still ball movement, there was still a lot a lot of communication out there on the court. Um, forget about it. the The championship years, a lot of ball movement. Uh, everyone can shoot it. Everyone can get down the court. You know, they they were um, making fast breaks without even dribbling the basketball. You know, that that's that's a, the tradition of the Knicks. Uh-huh. So I mean, the, the lineup that you, that you just described, it it just shows that, like uh, you know, it's just a possibility of of rekindling in that that whole, uh, you know, uh, you know, just tradition, the tradition of of Knicks winning Knicks basketball, man. I, Unselfish I it, play. Man. Yeah, that's what yeah, it's all about.
1: Exactly. not only that, but if you have unselfish play and talent, that's how you win in today's league. It's a combination of unselfish play, talent and knowing who your go guys go to guys are down the stretch in the clutch, uh, you know bad possessions late in the shot clock, you go to them. But besides that, you're trying to play as a team and uh, you're trying to play team oriented basketball on both ends of the floor having good chemistry. Kind of saw that down the end of the uh, end of the line of the season between IQ and OB. Uh, or even with Cam a little bit towards the end, he I think put up like 17, I want to say, in one of his last games. Maybe it was his last game, game before Sacramento or against Golden State, something like that. So, yeah, that'd be a really fun team to watch, especially in transition. I think defensively, they have a pretty high upside. I like Cam's defensive upside, I like Ivy's defensive upside, I like RJ's defensive upside. Obi, I think he can be a slightly below average defender, but if you put him next to a bunch of plus defenders, I think he can be a uh. He'll look better than he is and he'll kind of come off as an average to above-average defender, even if he isn't. And that's how you win today's NBA, man. You want to have a well-balanced team. You want you don't want to have too many ball hogs. You want them, people to know their role, excel in their role. You want spacing, but you also want to run transition. And like I said, man, chemistry on both ends is very important. So yeah, I would love that team. Love Jaden Ivey. I think he's the guy you want to move up for and uh, yeah, give up. As long as I'm not giving up RJ, I'm giving up a lot to get Ivy. A lot, a lot.
0: Yeah, no doubt. What's a lot to you? What's going on, State? Yeah, what's going on, State? Introduce yourself, man, <laughs> to, to Mr. Stoop. Hey, Mr. Hey. Stoop is dropping bars like crazy, man, over here. You're missing a lot, a lot of stuff here. I'm listening in the background. I had to just help my co worker real quick, I,
2: I, I, I don't want to be Julius Random. Okay. Oh. <laughs>
0: But well, um, you know, state. Yeah. So. When cool. um, when um, when you get when you get settled, man, you know um, I'll pop I, back on, okay. No, no, I'm settled. You settled? Okay, okay. All right. So um, you, you heard what he was saying about um Jaden Ivy and stuff with the with the package, or whatever. Is yeah. is there anything that you that you wouldn't give up for for um Jaden Ivy?
2: No, I. Anybody but RJ. I give up the I give up a lot to get Ivy. Cause you at the point where you gotta make a move now. You got too many assets sitting on each other, and it reminds me. Remember Danny Ainge, when he had too many picks, and he had Jalen Brown. There was rumors he was gonna trade for Kawhi, and he just let those picks. He just kept them, and he ain't do nothing with them. And well, it was smart, by the way, because they was in the championship this year. But at the same time, when you got too many assets like that, you can't be just sitting on that. Just can't sit on it. So I feel like this is the summer where you make that move, and then just listening to Ivy talk today, and then listening to him not mention anything about Indiana, and then mentioning you know New York, you know it's ways to 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 get to New York and, and stuff like that. I hope Leon Rose is doing something special for his CAA client, you know. I'm tired of him being well, he's conservative i don't know why he's so conservative maybe because of the carmelo anthony trade because he was carmelo anthony's uh, agent and also maybe because of the Iguodala. remember he started he was the re- traded for him as well so you know i personally
1: i personally think he's listen i'm not a fan of what leon's done so far you're right he's really really conservative but at the same time there really haven't been besides maybe like harden who as we all see it's the right decision to not have traded for him. He looks like he's kind of falling off a cliff at this point. But there really hasn't been that guy that's asking out that you're like, all right, this is the franchise guy. And I think they're looking for a game changer, game changer. And not like that, but somebody that they can get without giving up RJ. And that, I don't think that's came up yet. So I think they're hoping you know, Donovan Mitchell asks out. And then we can kind of combine him with an Ivy and an RJ. Hopefully, you know, God, please. Get us Ivy. God, so, um, please. please. God, so God please. Anyway, know, Donovan, Ivy and RJ. I mean, that is a dynamic front three. Yeah. Extremely dynamic.
2: That is red. So, in the, oh, it's like, how do you not go get him now? It, it, that's what I'm saying. You got to go. You got to do that move.
1: Hey, man. Tell Worldwide West to do something. I'm waiting. Get me Donovan Mitchell and Ivy. I, I will not complain. Give up the entire team but RJ. I would wow. not complain a bit. I need those three in MSG. I,
0: you, Darloman, met you and Ivy. Okay, we got to stop the 2K, man. I yeah. know, I know, I
1: know. I'm playing. Because, I mean,
0: we're going we're gonna to have no roster. It's going to be like the Miami Heat roster before they got LeBron. It's going to be like, you know, butt naked, just them two guys. Oh, yeah. It would be, it would be barren. That'd be dry. That'd be drier than Sierra Desert, man. Yeah. Well, listen, man. Uh, the the chances of the Knicks making a trade, you know, we got we gotta have to pray to all the gods. We're gonna to have to pray to the to the Panther pantheons and, and the freaking um, Greek pantheons. We have to we got to um, pray to every last god that we can think of in order in order for it, for it to go our way here, man. But uh, one guy you have on um, pinned to your to your pages, um, Malachi Branham. So this is um, you think this guy is gonna be the steal of the draft? Yeah. Would you yeah. pick him at eleven for the Knicks if if, if we had that shot?
1: Yeah, I I think I think he's gonna be there on the next pick. I think he's got a very complete game. If I had to compare him to somebody, I'd probably compare him to a uh, Tyler Hero. Probably a little bit better defensively. But I mean, if you're staying at eleven and you're able to get a better defensive Tyler Hero, not you know big, not a big jump between him and Tyler Hero, but he's definitely a better defender, but definitely not a plus defender either. But if you can get that at eleven, I think that's a damn good pick. And not only that, but something to be very valuable in a trade. So, at the moment, he's my steal of the draft. I think I have him ranked, I want to say at eight. Uh, yeah, I got, oh no, I'm sorry. I got him at nine right now. Uh, so, my scouting report on him is gives us 100% on offense. Sneaky athlete who can lead with either foot, depending on uh, where the advantage is. He took a giant leap over the past year, showing his uh, developmental trajectory may be steeper than many are giving him credit for. In the last 15 games, he averaged 18, 4, and 2, on 55. 45-84 splits in 34 minutes a game for Ohio State against some pretty damn good competition in the Big Ten. Uh, he's very patient, very crafty on ball from all three levels, especially for his age. Uh, he's got a very long wingspan. You got a 6'10 wingspan, He's 6'5", good at relocating off ball to get himself an easy and open look. Finished the season shooting 50% from the field and 42% from three and 83% from the line, which is damn good efficiency. Defense improved as the year went on. He uh, is ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Has probably the second best mid-range game to only Johnny Davis in the entire draft. Uh, and not only that, but he's uh, he's a natural leader uh, from what I saw and from what I heard. Question.
2: Great. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the mid-range game, do you have those percentages on hand?
1: No, I don't have the percentages on hand, but I have the two-point percentage as well above 50%. And I do know that he took over 50% of his shots from the mid-range. So I have to assume his mid-range game is somewhere around fifty percent.
2: That, that's impressive. That means he has a shot. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a bag, man. He's got a deep bag.
2: Because he's not really scoring all of his back, all of his buckets near the basket. So that's that. That's impressive. We definitely need shot makers too.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: one last question for you: What is his best quality? Uh, have-
1: for Bar- for Brandham. Yeah. Definitely his definitely is bag, man. I mean, it's deep for a kid his age. Most kids his age, you know, look at pretty much anybody last draft outside of the top five, six-ish guys. Most of the guys there generally have much of a bag. And uh, whereas this guy right here, I mean, he can shoot from all three levels. He can score from all three levels. He's crafty, and he's got a very deep mid-range bag, which, as we all know, the mid-range is extremely important, especially if you want to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer in the NBA. you got to have a go-to move in that mid-range. So uh, he's got that. He's got a bunch of moves in that mid-range. And not only that, but a lot of the stuff that he's doing from mid-range, I even saw him doing uh, from the three-point line later on the season. So he's got a steep developmental trajectory is another thing. I think scouts on your value is developmental
0: trajectory. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I I like him a lot. You you got a a pro comparison that that you would compare him to?
1: Yeah, it would be uh, definitely Tyler Hero, but a little better defensively if he hits his – I'll say like 10 percentile outcome. I think he's a better defensive Tyler Hero.
2: Can you can you can you for the older Nick fan? Can you get him a, a comparison from a player from the 90s or the early early 2000s?
0: Oh, that's a tough one.
1: Um, I got, I got one. What
0: do you think about Katina Mobley? Ah. <laughs> I think
1: I think he'd be a a little. I think he'd be a little better offensively.
0: Um, Katina uh, Mobley was pretty good, man. The, the no, reason, he the reason why I say Katina Mobley because he Katina Mobley, he never did anything outside of himself. He always went to his spots. He saw the game really well. So I think, I think, um, that, that's how I would, I would, I would subscribe, yeah, but, you know, describe, um, Malachi.
1: I, I would agree with that. I think he's more aggressive, though. But besides that, I, would, I think that's a fair comp, but he's yeah. a more, yeah, definitely a more aggressive Mobley. I would agree with that.
0: All right, so um, since we're talking about Malachi, he had a he had a partner there in Ohio State. Um, EJ um Liddell. What do you think about him? Yeah, I'm sorry. They 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 got um Liddell. I think um, what did they have him? They have him at at 19. You know, and he averaged 21 points, eight rebounds, two assists. You know, two point eight blocks. I think he led the the conference in in blocks. You know, so he's a good player as well. So, what do you think about him? I think
1: he's gonna be a damn good role player on a team. I think he can kind of be like a probably like a. PJ Tucker, a mixture of PJ Tucker and Eric Patchel, I think would probably be his uh, go-to comparison for me. He averaged, like you said, 2.6 blocks. He's not only that, just 6'7", so it just shows how incredible his coordination, and timing is on the defensive end. He's a much-improved shooter, shooting 77% of the line, 37.4% from three. He's got a plus-five wingspan, so he's a seven-foot wingspan. He's a versatile defender, should be able to guard uh, three through five. Uh, good rebounder. He's got a deep bag for a power forward in the mid-range and the low post. He's improved every season at Ohio State, which shows a strong work ethic. Uh, he's got a strong lower body and core, which I really, really like, especially for uh, defensive guys. That's uh, kind of where I get my defensive P.J. Tucker uh, comp from. P.J. Tucker's a guy, I think he's only like 6'5", 6'6", maybe 6'7", at most. But he's so strong in the lower body. He's so strong in his core. That he can defend pretty much two through five, no problem, and uh, he's probably not as laterally quick as a prime P.J. Tucker, but uh, he's 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 kind of a really good player, very uh, good impact player. Especially, I'm a contender. and I'm in like mid twenties, and he's still around. I'm probably picking him. Actually, uh, in Gmo's uh, mock drafts, on least to the Knicks, I was on there uh, at the twenty eighth pick for the Warriors. It looked like they, besides Kaminka, didn't really have any backup power forward and coming back you're trying to get a little bit bigger for Golden go state playing over at three so i think that they can and picking him over at 28. is uh out of border he's leaving at least yeah he's leaving so i think he'd be a quick
0: fit over there and uh yeah he's also a great screener good motor well Stu, you, um you you're fading you a little bit Stu? Okay, can you can you hear me good yeah i can hear you i can hear you is there right is this any better if i move it a little closer well, you're you like um Still like buzzing buzzing a little bit. Here,
1: yeah, let me yeah, try and mute it. I'm muted.
0: Hold on. Try um, try talking out. Let me see if I can. Oh, uh, you know it. what? I'm on one percent here. Let me plug my phone. In. <laughs> that's yeah, probably right. it. <laughs> that's probably it. Yo, welcome to, welcome to the lives, uh, Mr. Stoop Man. That that that's how, that's how it goes there. But um, you know, for for those that, that really couldn't hear, I, I could hear what he was saying. He was just talking about um ej Liddell, um, e. Liddell. He um he's a little short six seven, so he, he thinks that he can guard like basically every position, you know, in, in um in the next level. Um, you know, what what what, what intrigues me about, about these draft picks is that you know, uh, I, I can make a a, a a assessment about every player. Like I mentioned Drew Time and um you know uh Stoop shot him down, you know, he's not ready to play. But, but, you know, a guy like that averaged 18 points a game, you know, last year. Um, same thing with um, EJ L- Liddell. Um, he's ranked lower than Malachi, but but he actually was the leading scorer for Ohio State. So it's just interesting how, you know, how uh, people evaluate players based, just based on, um, you know, because the draft is not always just about stats. It's about projection and, you know, what you're watching visually, you know, what's happening on the court. How
2: I got the perfect, I got the perfect thing for you. The draft is, it's about where you land, bro. It's not about good evening. No. I'm good. It's about where you land, right? Yes. When you land in the perfect spot, then you can get a homegrown player. Like Donovan Mitchell, like, like I know we passed on Donovan. That is an egregious move. I understand. We're going to get criticized forever for that. But at the same time, he landed in the right spot. And that right spot was Utah. So,
0: where did he get drafted, though? What, what number did he get drafted, Donovan Mitchell?
2: Thirteen. He got
1: drafted thirteen. So, I, yep, thirteen.
2: Then, but he yeah, was definitely really he was good a, now, Stu. Perfect. perfect.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. Knicks pick eleven. So, we, we possibly could pick a Donovan Mitchell at, at um. So, you know, so far behind in the draft. So, you know, even though we all want Jane Ivy, it's still very possible for us to get a real good impact player. And you know, if this kid Malachi is that dude, you know, then then we possibly came up on on that, you know.
1: Yeah, hopefully, if we uh, take them, hopefully. I mean, I'm still, I'm still praying we can move up, get Ivy. But hey, we can get Malachi at eleven. I won't be too mad.
0: Right. All right. So I want to start doing deep cuts now, man. So we, you know, the the Knicks. I think they pick what forty two in, in the second round. Yeah, yeah. forty two in the second round. So what do what do you think about the Knicks' second round pick? Do you think Is, we'll, we'll we'll get more, or or what do you can, think, Steve?
2: Can I can I piggyback over that question? Mm-hmm. Is there any Dylan Brooks archetype? in the second round. I think that's what I'm looking for.
1: Dylan Brooks archetype. So there's one yeah. guy that if he falls to the uh, second round, I'd say it's probably a 60 to 70% chance he goes before the second round, or I should say before 42. But there is, I'd say probably about like a 30% chance he falls. And that guy to me would be Bryce McGowans. I mean, he showed a lot of potential as an isolation scorer. He reminds me actually a lot of Dylan Brooks. He's a very fluid and smooth athlete that – uh Loves contact. He's uh, got a slender frame, but he's, uh, like I said, very smooth. So he's able to get into small spaces and hit tough shots. He's got a solid handle for a guy's size. I believe he's about 6'10". He's around the same size as uh, RJ, but a little skinnier, not as muscular. Showed a lot of potential as a playmaker. Was put into a bad situation for a freshman, in my opinion. He was on the uh, what was probably the worst team in the Big Ten. Strong rebounder for a wing. Good athlete. Solid defender. Decent scoring bag. Uh, should be a little bit more efficient in the NBA since he's not going to be the go-to guy and the guy that defenses are honing in on anymore. And since he's not going to be the guy who's forced to isolate and score for every late shot clock situation, great at drawing contact, which I love. You want to like guys who uh, aren't afraid of contact and just in general aren't going to be afraid at the NBA level. He's got three level scorer upside, very long strides, especially in transition. And he uh, can play or the rim. And uh, yeah, I'd really, I'd really like him at 42 if he falls there.
0: Yeah, they, um, I just had uh, a tankathon. Tankathon actually had him like 32, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, so people think think highly of that, of that dude, man. But you know, one thing I want to say about all these guards that, that there's so many of them, then they all basically like are very, very close to each other, man. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's hard to really to really you know gauge mm-hmm. these guys because you know, I mean Wendell Moore. Say a guy like Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore is is is, is decent. You know, uh, you know, affiliate guy. Uh, he's he's not a he's not a freshman. He's a, a junior, but he could jump out the gym. He could shoot the three and understand the other two. So, you know, he's very comparable to a guy like that.
1: You know? Yeah, he can also play make.
0: Yeah, he can play make a little bit too. Yeah, so it's interesting. You, you got any second round picks um, that that you're looking at, state? So, um, Dyson
2: Daniels. Can you tell us about the Arizona guard?
1: Oh, yeah. Dalen Terry. Yeah, yeah. So Dalen, he has been a late riser. Uh he didn't average many points. He's not much of a sore. Uh let me pull up his stats real quick, actually, just so I can give you guys the numbers and context as well. Since he's, you know, been a late riser. I'm sure a lot of people in the chat don't really know too much about him. So where do I got him at? Dalen Terry.
0: They actually have him in the well, according to MBA Draft on they got him at the at the end of the first round.
1: Yeah, do you have stats up there because I'm trying to find them on uh, Tank. Yeah,
0: his stats. Um, last year he put up eight, uh, three point nine assists, four point eight um, rebounds. Uh, percentage wise, yeah. uh, from the two point range is fifty seven percent, thirty six percent from three, uh, seventy three percent from the free throw line. You know, so you know he didn't really score a lot, you know, points wise. But I mean, you you can see the skills and stuff there. You know, six foot seven. You know, one ninety five. so he has the the prototype seven foot wingspan as well. Yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, uh, here's probably the biggest thing I would say with him. He was playing for a very good team. I mean, all of the, of the other three to four starters are guys that could have gotten drafted. He's got possibly the, I would say he's up there as one of the top two or three offensive scorers in the entire uh, in the entire NCAA and Benedict Matherin. He's got Coloco, who's a great defender, so that gives him a little bit more energy for offense. And uh, not only that, but he's also a sophomore, so those are kind of his cons, and his biggest con I'd say right now would be his uh, points. I mean, he's averaging eight points a game and uh, 10 points per 36 minutes, which is obviously not very good. So he's not a very aggressive guy, and he did average five assists per 36. But like I said, he was on one of the better offensive teams in the entire NCAA, so that's going to be a little bit inflated. So let's say if he went to a uh, Nebraska, for example, he's probably only averaging like 3.5 to four assists per 36. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he kind of reminds me of uh, – if I had to give him a comp, Maybe a better Frank Nilakena would probably be the a uh, little bit bigger, a little bit uh, better shooting Frank Nilakena. Probably be my uh, go to comp for him, which, you know, is definitely a Swaggy valuable P? player. But
0: uh, I'm sorry? What do you think about Swaggy P?
1: Swaggy P, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Young?
0: Yeah, because he kind of looks like him too, about the same height.
1: Yeah, here's the thing though. Nick Young was uh, very aggressive, whereas Dalen Terry is, you know, the exact opposite. And Dalen right. Terry is a better defender. Uh, and uh, that Nick Young was a much better isolation scorer, whereas this guy, Dalen, mostly scores off of uh, cuts or pump fakes that lead to drives. So he's not really much of a creator, whereas Nick Young was. But like I said, he's a better defender than Nick Young, and he's also a uh, better playmaker than Nick Young. And uh, I believe he's a better rebounder, too. He averaged about 6.3 rebounds uh, per 36. I don't think Nick Young aver- averaged that in college, though I could be wrong. No. So I would say similar build. Uh, similar athleticism, but uh yeah, a little bit different when it comes to the scoring and the uh, playmaking.
0: What was six out for you? Um, because because you mentioned him, state. What what um, what do you like about this kid? Six seven. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you just need a wing, I, right?
2: I, li, li, listen, somebody, somebody. Um, because I wasn't really focused on the draft this year, so uh, I'm I'm really happy that you know stop videos pulled up on us so you can give us a good explanation about a lot of these draft prospects i was totally in on playoffs i wasn't like the 2021 season and the 2020 season where i was really looking at it so i'm just going off a whim and when i seen the tweet today i'm like oh six seven point guard oh you look good in the highlights so let me just ask our videos what's up with this guy you know i'm not going to sit here and act like i do know now i don't and that's the reason why i asked our videos please come on i know you asked them i i mean shit he asked himself to come on as well so hey man that's why i'm shutting the fuck up when he speak and i want and i want to hear who the hell is these guys so i'm glad he's on tonight appreciate him, you man.
0: appreciate you yeah, man, I mean like I'm the same way. I was I was more focused. Me, me and stay. we were talking about playoffs all year, you know. We was we was like focused on it. So I mean the second year it was, it was just such it just burst that bubble because we just were not thinking about the draft. And all last offseason we were talking about that we want we don't want to talk about you no know, lottery picks for like the next three years. This this is it, you know, we, we're on the next level, RD's gonna be a Hall of Famer, yeah, XYZ, right. you know. So <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, so man. now everybody I feel like the whole fan base is trying to catch up to, like, who the hell these guys are, you know?
1: I know, right? Nobody knew we were ever going to, like, be in the lottery until, like, what, like, February, late January, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. We went from, you know, we're going to be a top-four seed, make it to the second round finally. is going to take the next step to uh, we need Jaden Ivey and Donovan Mitchell. So it's been a pretty uh, – took a pretty sharp left there.
2: Yeah, stop. I remember <laughs> I remember when I said this. Me and Iru had a combo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was when we went 12 – we was 12 and 14 at the time. And I said to Iru, I said, Iru, this ain't looking good. This shit thinking. <laughs> Thibodeau just benched Kimber Walker. And he's starting the bump. And then like, you know I don't like Alec Burks. It's nothing against Alec Burks. He's just put in the wrong role. So I agree with that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I gotta see, man. I gotta see, man.
0: Well, you know, everyone keeps talking about point guards, right? So what do you think? Of the, there seems to be a lot of point guards in the second round, so do you, do you have any opinion about any of these point guards? Uh, I'll throw two out. Um, Ryan Rollins and T.J. Davidson. So, I mean, Ryan...
1: JJ. I'm sorry, you want me to, me to go or State?
0: Um, you, you. You're, you're no. the expert. Yeah, That brother.
1: Yeah, so, uh, Ryan, I would say he's more so of a uh, combo guard. It's not really much of a uh, point guard. In fact, I would say he's probably less of a point guard than a manual quickly is. But over at 42, uh, like him a lot, He's uh, I want to say 6'4, but he's got a 6'9 and three fourths wingspan, which I really do like a lot. Uh he's still only 19. He's gonna be uh turning 20 on July 3rd, though, but at the moment he's still only 19. So he's got a very good wingspan. He's a pretty good uh, he's got really good touch at the rim, I noticed. Uh he only shot 31% from the uh, three-point line, but it was on a pretty good amount of attempts. But his uh, two-point percentage was a good amount above uh, 50%. And not only that, but his uh, free throw attempt rate I liked it was at around 33%. So he uh, doesn't mind contact. He had a great assist turnover ratio for his shooting guard of a uh, 1.62 assists for every turnover, and uh, he also averaged four assists per 36, seven rebounds per 36 as well, which is damn good for a uh, six foot three and a quarter guard. And uh, yeah, at, at 42, he's another guy I would really like there. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good scorer off the bench for somebody. Showed a little bit of defensive upside. He's a good ball handler. Uh, I think it would be kind of like a – if he hits the ceiling, a better Alec – like a smarter and better Alec Burks, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that um, analysis there. Uh, What what, what do you think about J.D. Davison?
1: Yeah, J.D., he's uh, he's very athletic. I mean, he can get up the court in a couple seconds. But the problem is he was playing against bench players most of the year. So you can't really take his stats too, too seriously. You're mostly going off the tape there. And he was sitting behind some guys who a good amount, I would say probably over 30 guys in the NCAA are easily starting over. So uh, he's a project. He's got a – I'm sorry?
0: No, that was an advertisement. Oh,
1: you're good. (laughs) No, I was just saying, yeah, he's uh, very athletic. He's an upside guy. He's a guy that if you grab him, you're probably going to have to throw him in the G League for a year or two and then uh, bring him up. But he's got a good amount of upside. He's a guy at 42 that if you pick him, He could be a starter down the line. I can see him kind of being a uh, Colin Sexton type of player. So, I mean, if you want to take him, take a swing, chances are he's going to be a miss. But at the same time, he's got a much higher ceiling than most guys do at 42. Or possibly any guys at 42, depending on how the uh, draft plays out. So, I wouldn't mind him. Like I said, our biggest need right now is probably talent. And if uh, you think he can be around 20 point per game scorer one day, even if there's only a slight chance, I think you take that bet because, I mean, do we really need more mad bench players at the moment? I think we got enough of those. So, I mean, yeah. at this point, I'm trying to swing for the fences. Uh, yeah. And that's a big reason also why I said I want to trade up for Ivy. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind him at 42 at all.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Your mouth, your mouth lifts the word to God, to whatever, to Allah, to, uh, to the babies, to the heavens, to the Lord. To Conchu. You got to oh, pray to Conchu
1: freaking Moon Knight and shit. Big facts. I'm with y'all.
2: Y'all, cause like, oh my God. Ivy with RJ. Oh
1: dude, I know. I'm watering out the thing about
2: it. One of those two gonna be a superstar. I don't even care oh, yeah. the two. But one of them is gonna pop in.
1: Oh no doubt. No doubt. Oh if both of them pop in, oh my god.
2: And and it's is and and the another low key reason why you gotta do it is because you got Tibbs in the building right now. And I think I wouldn't mind a year, if you're going to keep the 64-year-old idiot for another season, I wouldn't mind Ivy a season under Tibbs. I ain't going to hold you up.
1: Right. Yeah, he's. you know what? I would agree with that only because Ivy mm-hmm. has all the uh, defensive potential in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, as a freshman, he played very, very well defensively, but this year he kind of fell off a little bit. I think it was probably a conditioning thing, and I think if there's one thing Thibs can install into a player – it's a defensive mentality, so I would say, yeah, if we can keep Thibs for another year, really install that defensive mentality into him, that hard work ethic, because he's got everything you need to be a great player. You just need somebody to really drive home that you got to give your all, you got to work on your conditioning, and uh, just take everything serious, and uh, you'll be a great player. And I think if you can get him in there for just one year under Thibs, really just be a hard ass on him for a straight year, and uh, after that, you know, get a better offensive coach so you can really. Be the player he is. That wouldn't be a bad
0: situation to be in. So I, I would agree. Well, you know, Tom Thibodeau's really good at setting the table. You know, te- teaching guys how to be pros and stuff. But mm-hmm. the thing about uh, this kid, um, Ivy man, I think I think that he's gonna come into the NBA and he's and he's gonna like, um, ask Tom Thibodeau to give him more because like whatever he's whatever anything that we think that Tom is gonna do to this kid, I think Tom Thibodeau. I mean, this guy, um, Jaden is gonna chew it up and spit it right back at him. You know, he's just like. I, I think he's the real deal. We we keep talking about him. He is the real deal, man. You know, I, mm-hmm. it would be amazing to get this kid. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. So you know, about about the point guards and stuff. Everyone keeps talking about point. Guard. We need to get a point guard, we need to get a point guard. But I mean, you just you just gave two um two um great analysis on, on Ryan um Rollins and JD Davison. But uh, how much better are those guys than Deuce McBride, you know? Um, I mean, here's the thing. I think we need as many swing-for-the-fences guys
1: as we can get at the moment because, like I said, that's really what we need. That's our biggest need is someone who can be an all-star. We need somebody else next to RJ who can be an all-star. You can never have enough guys with a high upside, so while they may be a little redundant next to a Miles McBride, uh, if you can get, for example, a J.D. Davidson and a Miles McBride, maybe each of them have like a 10% chance of hitting, You know that ups it all the way to 20% that doubles your luck. Then maybe you got a one in five chance that you know an all star level player or close to it. And, uh, I'm with that man because I'm tired of getting these, uh, you know, middle of the pack bench player guys from the draft. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some cornerstones in here, man. Yeah, no
0: doubt. So I mean, so let's do let's do some um, some sleepers, man. So I, I, I'll play a, a video, but very briefly. You know, so just tell me what you think about this guy. I hope, hope you can see it on your on your screens. Williams
2: is a six five combo with dumb bounce and dimes. He's the third leading scorer in the ACC, and with the spread floor in the league, he's gonna have a lot of opportunities to play by the rim. He gets a lot of his buckets off the dribble, and he's low key crafty with it, and likes to spin move like on this play.
1: Tilting the court downhill, gets to the bucket.
0: Yes, it's a minute video, man, but the video just, it just gets better and better. So, how does a guy like that? He's not on anybody's draft boards. I think, um uh Tankathon just put him at number 60. So I mean, how could how does a guy like that don't don't even get talked about up until like a day before the draft?
1: Yeah. So uh that was Aldonis Williams. He's yeah. a 6-5 guard, he went to Wake Forest, born in 1999, so he's a little older. Uh but to be honest with you, we'd probably be a couple things. Number one, of course, the age. Uh he's not the quickest of guards. Um So that's probably a a big hit that he's taking. You know, slow senior guards. Those guys kind of don't tend to translate. But at the same exact time, he's got a very high IQ, very good finisher. Was very efficient from all three levels. He's very creative, I would say. Very fluid and agile. He's got great feet, great court vision. That's probably the uh, biggest plus for him. I think he's going to be a very, very good backup, uh, personally. Uh, He can kind of be like a poor man's... Who would I compare? like a poor man's a slower poor man's darren williams would probably be my go-to uh he can rebound uh but i will say this about him while he is not athletic at all kind of like a johnny davis he has a pretty good stop and start ability and uh not only that but he, he's got some hops he can dunk he can definitely dunk so uh yeah he's uh he's very sneaky very crafty very good playmaker i think he's going to be a high-level uh, backup point guard, and uh, I would agree. I think he's extremely underrated. I got him in, I want to say, my lower 30s, maybe late 20s at the moment on my big board. So, yeah, man, if we uh, picked him up at 42, I wouldn't be mad, especially if, you know, we're moving some of our young guys for a uh, J90. Is
2: there is – there, real quick, Eru, is there any bigs in the second round that fit the, the archetype of, like, you no know, like – Brooke Lopez, uh, Mo Bamba. You know, one of those guys who could protect. The yeah, moment. stretch five. Yeah.
1: Um, When it comes to stretch fives, let me see here. I don't think there, or at least when it comes to the second round, I'm trying to look around here. Yeah, there's really not. You know what? I do have one guy. There's one guy that I really like and think he could actually be a stretch five, and that would be Orlando Robinson. And he is out of, uh, I believe it was, uh, what's it called again? Oh, crap. Uh, Fresno State. Place where uh paul george went so when it comes to orlando he's a big dude problem is he's 21 gonna be 22 on july 10th he was born in 2000 but and he's also a little bit on the slower side but he's extremely skilled uh solid shooter for a big man he's got of course like i said stretch big potential decent scorer off the dribble excels at uh scoring on off ball motion plays uh decent playmaker good rebounder adequate defender i would say he's uh He's not fast, but he's also sneaky athletic, kind of like an Aldonis Williams, where he he knows when and how to use his speed. And of course, he can dunk. Like I said, you know he's a seven-footer. So he'd probably be, if you're trying to get a stretch big in the second round, I'd probably go with him. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's 6'11", 240, so he's a pretty big dude. Uh, he's, But yeah, he's extremely skilled, man. He reminds me, if I had to compare him to somebody, a very, 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 very light Nicola Jokic, without the playmaking, or without the elite playmaking, he's a plus playmaker for a big, but he's nobody's. Yeah, Nikola Jokic. So yeah, an extremely very 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 light Jokic. Jokic but, is
2: you know, one uh, of the how best does a best guy like that,
0: the way well, you described yeah. him? How does he go like in the second round? And you know, and then basically at the end of the second round is what a lot of these guys are talking about. So how does somebody compared to an all NBA All Star get? Thrown it into the bottom of the second round.
1: I mean, like I said, he's he's the lightest of the, like, how could I put this? Like, he's kind of his defense. First off, it's trash. And the thing about Jokic, he is so elite offensively that his you know defense doesn't really matter. His defense isn't as bad as an Orlando Robinson's. I would say he's probably. A good amount below average, but it's not you know just total complete trash. He's complete zero on defense. He's got good defensive IQ timing and timing, touch when it comes to Jokic. But uh, Jokic, I mean, he's probably the best. Defense, I mean, offensive center in the entire NBA. Whereas this guy, his defense is trash and his offense is above average. I mean, it's nowhere even close to a Jokic. I'm just saying from the way that he plays. When you watch him, he plays in the post a lot. He can shoot and he can make some step backs in the mid range. And you can, like I said, he's a three-level scorer for a big, but his defense is just so awful. And I don't think his offense is going to be elite enough that he'll be able to make up for how bad his defense is.
0: Okay, well, you know, I, I put this up here because this is um um, Alondiz Williams' uh, teammate, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Tankadon has him in the first round. Uh, you know, Draft Jeanette has him in the second round, but I um, mean, he's ranked higher than than um Alon, you know, Alondiz. You know, but uh, Alondes was actually the the leading scorer and and and, this, that and the other for for that Wake Forest team. No, actually, he was the leading scorer. He was like twenty something points a game. But a lot, you know, they're on the same team and stuff. So how do, how does somebody like like um Jake, you know, get you know get the um the nod? But somebody like l- Alandis doesn't even get you know mentioned at all in in this whole this whole pack here, pack of sixty. Because I mean, you know, like visually, I, l- I look at Alondes and I, I I like yeah. To do it a lot. So you
1: know,
0: I, I say like, when it comes to, Jay. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying because his I, I, Williams, I, when I when I look at him, you know, I, you know, aside from the dunks and stuff like that, because he can really get up. But I I like the way that he that he handles the ball. I like the way that he passes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I happen to think he's a, a good player. So I, I it's just really like weird to see, um, you know, how, how this talent gets ranked, you know, and and these draft yeah. boards and stuff. Listen, man, when it comes to the second round, it's. It's not hit or miss.
1: It's miss, 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 hit, miss, 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 etc. Right. So these things in the second round, it's ugly, man. I mean, you're looking at a 1 in 10 chance of hitting, if that. So I, it's just so convoluted, the way that people draft second-round prospects. A lot of them draft them on uh, floor, but I think the more important thing is to kind of draft on potential when it comes to these guys, because most second-round guys aren't hitting uh, for the most part, if they're staying at where they're at. So I think your best case scenario, if you're going in the second round, is either draft somebody who should have been a first rounder, but he fell into the second round, or you're drafting somebody with a high ceiling that you know that one day can be a starter or close to that. And then if he hits only like his, you know, slightly above average outcome, he ends up being a bench player. And that's, you know, you can take that if you're drafting him in the second round. So that's kind of my philosophy. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I got a qu- – no, I keep going, but I got a question for both of you to answer, I, and it's on, like, second-round picks. Mm-hmm. No, you're I'm done. So my question is, what is – is the infrastructure, meaning the guys we don't see every day, is the reason why second-round picks um boom or bust? Are they the key factor into a second-round pick um, becoming a star? Like, for example – who was the guy? If you do have knowledge of this, uh, that would be great. But who was the guy in Denver who um, Jokic was with every day? Because it gotta be somebody who was like with him on a day-to-day basis.
1: Bones Highland, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't know. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, well, you know, some sometimes like like great players, they just great. You know, because, I mean, the, the dude, came, he came from Europe and stuff, so he was already polished. He was already playing pro over there, you know. So, you know, guys guys just have the extra thing about them, you know, that that um that they carry over and they're, they're able to be a little bit more successful. What, like, well, like I said, like a guy like Jaden Ivey, you know, he's just born to be, you know, to just, just to accept, you know, his place in, in the basketball realm, you know. So I think a guy like Jokic, you know, I think that's like the same thing. He just was like born to be in that spot, you know. He was he bred to be there, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I mean, Jokic, he came, and you could see from day one, this kid's got a lot of potential, and his IQ for a center was elite also from day one. You saw a lot of flashes there. So, I mean, it's just so hard to grade European prospects, especially a guy like Jokic, just because when you see him, he's not athletic, and not only that, but over in uh, Europe, he wasn't really a primary ball handler, so you couldn't really tell how good of a playmaker he was. You just saw he showed a lot of flashes, but you didn't know because he wasn't the primary ball handler. He wasn't always in rhythm. Uh, that he was going to be, of course, this. There's a reason he went in the second round. And of course, in hindsight, you should have gone first round, probably number one overall. I don't have the draft in front of me, but I have right. to assume he probably would have gone number one overall in that draft. Uh, but yeah, it's just so hard. They're so boom or bust when it comes to uh, European prospects, and uh, he just happened to be a boom man. I mean, he was a uh, he was a weird prospect, a center who's not very quick, not very athletic. And uh, he wasn't really a primary ball handler like a Luca. So you can be like, all right, he's not too too athletic, but he's got this, this, and this that are so elite that he's going to end up translating. Or you know, he carried a team over in the EuroLeague and won the championship and MVP at 17 like Luca. So it's a lot harder to grade guys like that. And that's how most European prospects are. Most of them, they're not Luca. They're not averaging like 18, 8 and 8 at 17 and winning MVPs and Finals MVPs so uh yeah i mean it's just rough man so when you see archetypes for centers that are being drafted high it's mostly athletic guys who are great defenders that have a lot of potential on offense and that doesn't really fit Jokic's archetype so i right. think that's why he fell but at the same time man there's going to be guys like that in every other draft there's going to be i would say every yeah about every other draft there's going to be a stud that's taken in the second round And hey who knows it could end up being the guy we pick hopefully
0: right you know, Nick fans are very hard on our on our team too. If somebody's missed, they say, Oh, we missed this guy, we missed this guy, and we get really stressed about it. Mm-hmm. But like a guy like Jokic, you know, how many scenes passed him? You know, he went all the way to the second round. So everybody everybody was looking through the same glasses. You know, that, that's why he was mm-hmm. he, he fell so far. You know? That's a fact, he, yeah. You know, one thing that, that um that that um you have to really really look at on um, prospects also is they like, say like a guy like the this guy Jaden this guy Jaden Ivy he's the one but I mean look at the family that he come from. if you look at if you talk to his mom and look at their relationship and stuff like that, you see that this guy is just a different on a different level. Look at Emmanuel quickly, the, the um his religious background and the relationship that he has with his family, yeah. RJ relationship with his family. Uh, Quentin Quinton Grimes, the relationship with his family, Obi, I mean, you, yeah, Obi too, incredible with his dad. Him and his dad and his sons are always together. Yeah, you know, so that's the foundation, of a piece that that that's very important when you when you're looking at, at and uh, when you're trying to build a club and you're trying to put a certain kind of a uh, person together. You know, so we, we definitely have to look into that as with these draft picks as well.
1: Yeah, background is huge, man. I mean, that's a big reason that GMs they work out and interview so many guys these guys truly are because i mean a lot like you said a lot of the guys between like i don't know like probably like 13 to 14 all the way to like 30 the gap is pretty small there so the thing that's going to separate a lot of them is going to be you know what's up here what's in your head what are the people around you like how are the people around you pushing you are they pushing you in the right ways the wrong ways who are your trainers how you know what's your reputation and things like that and that can be the big difference between somebody who, you know, went 18 and became an all-star and a guy who went in 11 and now he's at the league in four years, you know? So right. that's, that's huge. And that's the thing that kind of, you know, sucks when you're a, what I like to call a couch scout like me, where you're just, you know, sitting at home, just kind of doing <laughs> it as a hobby. But, uh, yeah, if you got actual intel, that's huge, man. That can affect big boards a lot. That's the reason that a lot of uh, NBA drafts, there's some guys who end up going way higher than they should have. In fact, Donovan Mitchell, for example, he was a guy that, uh, most mock drafts were going probably somewhere between like 17 and 20, and uh, you know now everybody knows this guy should have went freaking top three, if not top two. So yeah. yeah, I mean he's got, and that's another thing about Donovan. I mean he's a high character guy. I don't know if you watch his interviews. Not only that, he's close with his dad as well. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely a big thing is uh, people around him and his uh, headspace, and that's a, a big determining factor in what kind of player they're going to be, especially long term.
0: Yeah, uh, charisma is one thing, too, you know, just um, how guys, um, when they enter the room, how they interact with everybody in the room and stuff like that, eye contact, you know, just presence, you know, it's like a guy like Donovan Mitchell, if he comes into the room, he's going to engage with everybody in the room, you know, I, I watched him, you know, take batting practice with the Mets, and I feel like, you know, everyone else are baseball players, he's the only one that's not a baseball player, but everyone had their eyes on him, because mm-hmm. he's just that guy, you know, he has that that thing about him that everyone gravitates to everyone is, is whispering and talking about him, you know? So, you know, these, these little things when, when, you, when these guys get into the room, you really have to, to watch those um interactions and see, see if you can guess, cause there's a crap shoot, regardless of, you know, whatever we yep. say, you know, it's, it's so lucky to, to try to get, you know. It's all projections, man. Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: And uh, I actually think I said this on the last podcast I was with, with uh, you guys, but there was a study done. It was on NBA all-stars and they found that the average uh IQ, and I'm not talking basketball IQ, I'm talking about actual actual IQ. They were much higher. I think they were like 10 points higher than the average NBA player. They like really had like a 112, 113 average IQ. And not only that, but they're also very charismatic, uh, very confident in themselves and their game. Uh, so, yeah, if you're picking a guy and he gives off a lot of those vibes, there's a good chance that he's either going to pop or if you give him a little bit of time, I'm sorry, he's either going to pop from day one, or if you give him a little bit of time, he's going to develop into somebody who pops. So that's a, uh, definitely a big determining factor, and you could argue that's as big a determining factor as anyone or anything.
0: Right. Yeah, and and if they don't necessarily pop per se, they, they still will contribute to winning. Yep, you know they'll they'll be a part of. They'll they'll they might not be that that all star, but they'll definitely be a champion at some point in their career because they just they're just that smart and um they they just get it. You know they they, they you know the whole thing. Yep draymond green yeah draymond green's one of those yeah um uh, a guy like amon Schumper too he came in a league you know he, if, if you watch his off the court videos and stuff like that he's extremely intelligent man you yeah know, you, no he,
1: i've you seen his uh storytelling yeah he's an incredible storyteller amazing man i love watching his interviews especially like he's talking about like lebron making a pass and it sounds like it's like the greatest play of all time but in reality he's just talking about lebron you know, faking somebody out and then passing the ball to him. But he's making it sound like, oh, he made this guy with his left eye shift to the left, and the guy with his right eye shift to the right. And then, like, the yeah. coach saw that he did that, and he called out them this defensive play, and he saw it ahead of time. So end ended up passing it to the guy that the uh, defense – like, he was super in-depth with it, and he's incredibly smart. I can't even, you know, story tell the way he can. So, yeah, he, he's yeah. definitely very smart. He's another guy I think that if he never got hurt, man, he could have been – Maybe not a stud, but I, th- I mean, maybe not an all star, but he would have been a stud, man. I mean, he would have been, I think he could have been like a 25 and 5 guy had he stayed healthy that plays really good defense. That's somebody that you would love on a championship team. Just yeah. sucks that when he got injured, man, that athleticism really got zapped from him because he had that elite athleticism and you could see his developmental trajectory was on the way up, especially during his first season. He looked really, really, really nice. You could see the potential. Uh, his handles were getting tighter. And then after that injury, I mean, he had to get back a shot at first. Uh, the athleticism, you could tell he wasn't used to playing without it. And, uh, yeah, man, he could have been he could have been nice if he never got hurt. That really sucks.
0: Yeah. He he has um, severe cramping, too. He always suffers from cramping. He used to get IVs. And, and during the game, he used to get IVs. And after the game, he used to get IVs because the cramping was so bad. So when you, when you cramp like that, that tends to pull on your tendons and stuff like that. So that's why he tore his ACL, you know, the ligaments and things of that nature you always have problems with that you know yeah so I, yeah I, mm-hmm. well i i wanna wanna just um i wanna mention a couple names too cuz i mean th- these are names that all, everyone talks about too like the foreigner guys like um kai soto mm-hmm. you know you got the uh, nikola jo, uh, jovic Jovich. yes and then you also have um Austin Main Dang, too so what, what do you think about some of those guys
1: yeah uh so i'll start with the guy that i have first out of those names that would be uh nikola jovic I believe I have him over at 16 at the moment. He is a 6'10". He's kind of a power forward, but he plays a lot like a guard. playmaker. Streaky shooter, but at the same time, he's got a lot of shooting upside. I like the form. Um, I like his mentality. He plays hard. Plays with a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, What's it called on your shoulder? A chip on your shoulder. Plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he is a a tough kid, man. And uh, he's a great pick-and-roll ball handler. Uh, He's great at driving kicks. Uh, he gets after it on the boards, He's got a great floater game, can hit shots from well beyond the three-point line off the dribble, which I really, really like. I mean, if you look at the NBA, all of the top guys pretty much better, you know. <clears throat> in the top 20, can hit off the dribble threes from beyond the three-point line. So that's huge. And he's got a lot of upside because of that. And, uh, and like I said, he's streaky, but he can also get hot quickly. Uh, he's very confident in his game. He's uh, very aggressive for an 18-year-old playing over in a European system. And
0: he, I guess, he has a crazy. He has crazy in his eye, man. When I look at oh, Joker, yeah. I, I see a crazy, crazy white guy. Yeah, you, know, you know, crazy European guy. You can see. Yeah, he
1: gets pissed quickly, and he gets like he gets in the zone, man. Like right? he looks like he's about to like
0: murder somebody
1: yeah. when you see him play if he gets hot. And not only like that, but uh, he's actually coming from ironically the uh, same team as Nikola Jokic did. So he's okay. coming from a team that has shown they can develop high level NBA talent too, which I like and. Great playmaker, very fluid for a six ten guy, and uh, can run the fast break as a ball handler, scorer, or playmaker. So yeah, I wouldn't mind him uh, when it comes to uh, Osman Dang or uzman Dang, however it's uh, pronounced at the moment. He's definitely a uh, guy that you're going to pick for the upside because he's got elite measurables. Uh, he's got pretty good on bonds on ball skills defensively. Uh, if he can put on muscle, improve his jumper, tighten his handles, and finish or uh, drive at force so He could definitely be a top three option on a championship team one day, and this is a guy that you could be picking in the 20s. Uh, he's improved vastly from the beginning of the NBL season. And uh, not only that, but I believe he's coming from France, which I know a lot of Knicks fans, French guys, may not want to have him on the team anymore. But at the same time, if you look at how he's playing at the beginning of the season to how he was playing at the end of the season, there is a huge difference. Like at the beginning of the season, he was putting up like two, one, and one. On like 24% shooting, like 10% from three. And then the second half, he was shooting, he was averaging like 12, 4 and 4, and shooting like 56% in the field and like 35% from three, like 75% from the line. And he's 6'10. He's much like Jokic, or I'm sorry, not Jokic, Jovic, pretty big dude lengthwise, but he's a lot more athletic than a uh, Jovic is. He's uh, extremely good laterally. He's a better defender than Jovic. He's just a lot, a lot, a lot more raw offensively. But, uh, yeah, he's also showed some uh, potential as a pick-and-roll ball handler. I've seen a lot of people say that he's, like, this year's Giannis, which obviously I don't see or anything close to that. I don't see anybody even close to Giannis in this draft. But he's kind of like that high upside but, you know, low floor kind of guy in this draft. And uh, when it comes to Kai, I'm going to be honest, man, I don't see an NBA player. Really? Uh, that's just me, I, I don't see it, man. He's too slow. He's just – he's not skilled enough offensively to make up for how slow he is defensively. That's just my personal opinion. You know, this, like I said, it's a crap shoot. Yeah. I, could always, I could always be wrong, but in my opinion, man, I don't even have in my uh, top 60. So I don't even have a scouting report on him that I can go off of.
0: So yeah, man, I don't, I don't see it with Kai. I'm sorry. I, I, I get it with Kai. You know, um, he's definitely slow defensively. If, if you watch, um, any any um any team versus him where, where he's the center and somebody's attacking him, he's always like a step slow getting to the spot. You know, but um some of these things that, that he does offensively is pretty good. But at the same time, um what's the what's the dude that the that the Knicks used to have? His name was Luke. Luke.
1: Oh uh Luke Cornette.
0: Yeah, Luke Cornette. He he kind of reminds me of Luke Cornette a little bit, you know. Yeah, the, I can the, kind of see that. I can yeah. see that a little bit. Just I, I, the reason why I say it, it just it's just that um Luke Cornette. He looks like a, a player, but then again, when you yeah. see him play, it's like okay, he's not as good as I yeah, thought he was. Yeah, he, he's
1: he I'm sorry, he was terrible, my dad. He was <laughs> he was awful. I'm sorry, he was garbage. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry. I, I get that definitely, man. What's up, State? Yeah, mute him. What's up, State?
2: I'm listening to this guy. I'm being quiet. I'm trying to. <laughs>
0: State is moving
2: around up in the hospital, man. So you know the, the reception yeah. sometimes not as good. Think about yeah. but, um, what is uh, what is your long term um, what is your long term vision for RJ? You see him as a shooting guard or a small
1: forward? Do you think that? Um, I think if we give him a couple more years, we can develop him into a uh, small forward. I think I think his best position at the moment is shooting guard, but I think if we played him. Another, let's say, two years at the small forward position, I think he can develop better as a small forward if you leave him there. I'm sorry, not better, but I think he can possibly develop just as well as he would at the shooting guard position, at the small forward position, because he's pretty much played shooting guard or point guard his entire life, even you know in high school. So this is a guy that's used to just bullying smaller guards and getting to the rim at will and finishing over them at will. So at the moment, I would say, yeah, he's probably better off at shooting guard, but Give him two more years at the small forward position. I think he's going to get a little more crafty. Yeah, you know, small forwards are a little bit so, uh, slower, so they're a little bit more his speed, so he might be able to uh, figure out how to get a little more crafty with his handles and be able to just blow by him or, you know, deceive him in some way. So, uh, yeah, I think he can succeed at either, but if I had a choice, I'd probably say shooting guard in the
0: perfect world. Well, if we get in Jaden Ivy, then he got to slide over, man. He's going to have to take that three spot. Because um, hey, Jaden Ivy's gonna take one of those guard spots. Hey man, if
1: we're getting Jaden Ivey, I don't even care. Blame with power or Just give me Jaden Ivy, Damn it, I want him so bad. You
0: guys have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
2: The perfect. <laughs> he is man. He for is us, man.
0: Definitely, just from from the fan base, you know. We we just we're longing for God. that guy, you know. And I think he I think he is definitely gonna be that guy. He's you so metric. Yeah, man. Because when when you're talking about like shooting guards, we were talking about this in the last episode. There's not really a lot of um, shooting guards in the NBA. There's no, not really a, like there's not thirty, you know, good shooting shooting guards. I mean, it might not even be twenty, might not even be fifteen, really, you know, in the NBA. You know, so that like the the next guy, you know, the next um, you know echelon of players, you know, the next generation, they're coming in the league now. He's gonna be that guy. Oh yeah, and not only that, but how many two-way shooting guards are there? Right, I mean. Are
1: there really any at the moment? How many good two-way shooting guards are in the league that are, you know, elite both ways?
2: One. No. Uh, damn. Jalen Brown. And yep. I think that's the list. <laughs>
0: right? That's what I'm yeah, saying. So
1: I mean, if you put this guy at shooting guard, he should dominate. There's no reason. I mean, look, so, at the, I mean, who's going to stop him? Bradley Beal, Zach Levine? Oh. None, of the, none of these guys are good enough defensively to stop him, especially because they're putting out so much on offense. So I mean, yeah, if we can get Jaden Ivy, and not only that, but like, when has MSG ever had a guy as electric as Jaden Ivy? I I can't even remember. That's you know, as skilled and electric. That
2: from a Yeah, right.
1: I mean, MSG would go crazy for him. You pump up the crowd, pump up the team. High character guys, so he's going to fit with the team, fit with the players, especially the young guys who are also high character guys. I mean,
0: it, it, it's just a perfect. It's a match made in heaven, man. So I mean, the, the guys are getting on us, man. You got um Knicks um one hundred. You got Bodega Wi Fi. Paris Dugger, shout out to you guys. But they're um they're getting on us about the whole pipe dream thing. And you know, like you know, one guy says it's the least logical thing. The other one says deep drive, Why are you worrying about trading up for a point guard? And you know, and then <laughs> Paris Dugger, he he quotes Eddie Murphy, and an Eddie Murphy song. So nice. Damn, as
1: just I'm sorry, man. I just think Jaden Ivey is just so much better than any other guard in the draft that's just my opinion I could be wrong but uh, from what I saw from a man he's the complete package if you can get uh if he if he gets close to his ceiling he he's gonna be a perennial all-star not just like an all-star couple times he's gonna be perennial and not only that but he has the potential to be a two-way shooting guard like a you know like a Jalen Brown type guy so I mean if you can get a man he's probably he's got he's definitely a little different game than Jalen Brown but I'm saying in the way that Jalen Brown impacts the game both ways you can kind of do that for us if you get them under the right coach and uh, on the right team with the right fit, which I think at the moment we do have, at least for Ivy. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, if we got to give up a little bit extra to get them, Hey, I'm doing it. We need a needle mover more than anything else in my opinion. So that's just me. I get it. You guys, a lot of these guys don't want to give up the young guys that believe in them. Don't want to give up extra draft picks. Uh, but Hey, I'm sorry. Jay and Ivy, if we can get me a perennial all-star, before, you know, he's getting paid 36, 37. That's another thing people forget. When it comes to these guys, these first-round picks are only getting paid, like, 7 mil a year. And not only that, but there's going to be a new salary cap in, like, 2023, 2024, which is probably going to make his deal, like, 2 million a year in today's money. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's value. There's nothing more valuable in the NBA than an all-star on a rookie deal. So, if we can get that man, you you do it.
0: And I yeah, think you will do that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you made that point too. Like, and if, if people always say, oh, in five years, is this is going to happen, two to five. You know, like, like in two to five, like you said, the guys are going to be making 30. Jaden Ivy in, in a couple of years, they'll, it'll be 40 million for like the, you know, the, the first major contract.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we, we got to start thinking about, you know, putting this roster together. If, if JD and if Jaden Ivy's there, you know, we have excess in young guys, we have excess in point and, in, um, you know, uh, draft collateral too. So combine some of that stuff and see who bites, man. See if, if, if the Kings uh, bite off of that. And then, you know, just go for your guy. If the, if Jaden Ivey's that guy, which everyone thinks he is, then we need to just throw everything at, at him, and hopefully the you know the Kings will, um, will bite at that, you know?
1: Yeah, you got to pounce, man. We can't just be picking guys just where, like, all right, maybe eventually be a good starter. He's going to be a high-level bench guy. We, we can't just keep on picking guys like that. It's never going to move. We need a needle mover. And besides maybe RJ, we don't really have that. We don't have a guy that we're like, all right, this guy's gonna be a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum type guy. We have RJ, who we hope is gonna be that, but you know, we're not hundred percent sure at the moment. And like I was saying before, contracts is gonna be cheap. High upside is just to me, it's a match we didn't have that. I get guys who want to stay with the young guys, but to me, it's really only RJ that we know is gonna be a great player. And I don't want to look four years down the line and Jay Nivey is you know an all-star two-way guard. And then, you know, we're, we're stuck with, you know, Randall and quickly and some guy in 2023, we took 15th overall. That ends up just being a high level bench player. And we're like, damn, we could have got Jaden Ivy for this and on, you know, for seven mil per.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I, I just, I'm tired of being conservative, man. We got to make a move. We got to be aggressive. That's how teams win championships. So yeah. that's the way
0: I'm looking at it. I'm with you, man. The time, the time is now, you know, uh, you know, uh, fans are a lot of fans are punch drunk with the whole uh, development thing. They want the youth to draft, you know, from within. They want to develop, develop, develop. And they want to get, they want to attack the Knicks because they're not developing the guys fast enough. But I mean, you're asking for development. So development takes time. You know, right now we already have enough guys, young guys here. We already did enough development the last four years or whatever with RJ and, and Mitch and all these guys. It's time to, to jump in and in, into the pool and, and swim with the big guys already, man. It's not it's exactly. like the kiddie pool. Exactly, man. Not only that,
1: but I think we got like what, like seven second round picks next year? Something crazy like that. Yeah, are we absolutely. gonna keep all seven second round picks? Especially because like you know, there's probably gonna be like two, three guys that follow second round we really like. Are we really gonna waste all second round picks or are we trying to move five of those for Jaden Ivy? I mean, what the what are we doing here? I don't need any more mid tier bench guys. You can get those in free agency. What we can't get in free agency at the moment is a superstar. We ain't getting that until we build Build a very good team. That's just the way it is. Nobody's coming here unless we can build a very good team. And I think Jaden Ivy can be that guy. We're like, all right, they got RJ, they got Ivy. If I go there or if me and my homie goes there, we're gonna be a contender. And that's what you know free agents want. And I think that Ivy can do that for us. He can be that second option or maybe even first option on a championship team. Who knows? I mean, nobody coming out the draft thought Steph Curry was gonna be a uh, number one option or Yokich is gonna be a number one option on a uh, championship team and yeah i mean if we think that he's got a shot at being that you got to pull the trigger man can't just hold on to all these assets and just pray to god we win a championship one day it's not gonna work like that or pray to god we're gonna get free agent to come save us one day because that also doesn't work like that They need a they
0: need a reason to come here and J nine if he hits like i think he's gonna hit that that's a damn good reason to come here yeah absolutely so I mean, you know, uh, I guess we could wrap it up here, man. You know, State said he's putting his phone on the charger, but I don't, I don't think we're gonna, we're gonna be here when he comes back. But um, let's talk about um rumors, man. Any uh, updates on the rumors? I'm sorry, say
1: that again. My phone like almost ran out again. I had to plug it in real quick. Say that one more time.
0: Well um just rumors, like like the to, just to wrap wrap up the podcast, uh is uh, what do, what are your thoughts on any rumors? Do you think anything anything that sticks out to you that that seems like it might, you know, it's not just smoke, it might just actually be something smoldering there, some kind of fire?
1: I think the uh Jaden Ivy rumors are legit. Um I think the front office has seen a lot of people are getting a little frustrated that they're being uh so conservative at the moment. I think they actually are trying to move up but at the same exact time, I think they aren't trying to give up too too much. But luckily it looks like uh, the Kings do see Sabonis as a center, so maybe you can say, like, hey, I think I said this early in the podcast, but, uh, you know, we'll give you Julius Randle. He may not have the defense Keegan Murray does, but he's a better player overall, and not only that, but we'll throw in the 2023 pick, top five protected, and we'll give you the 11th overall pick. Just give us Jay Ivey. You already got Davion Mitchell and Fox. You can get a good guy at 11. You're probably going to get a stud next year. Next year's draft is pretty stacked, and, uh, yeah. And not only that, but you get Julius Randle, and hopefully we can uh, talk them into uh, him being a good player. And hopefully they're not watching a lot of Knicks games, and really only saw that forty-six point game he had against us. I think that's a legit rumor. Uh, besides that, though, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really believe the Kyrie thing. I don't see him leaving personally. That's just me. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah.
0: Kyrie Irving, he, he. You know, I don't want any parts of him. The thing, the thing. Guys like to burn their own bridges. You know, when with their mouth. You know they, they go to a situation, and they, they they um you know they, they want to make fun of us all the time. Everybody always wants to make fun of us, but then when they when they go through bad times, now all of a sudden, oh the Knicks are interested in this guy, the Knicks are interested in this guy, man. It's all there's all a bunch of BS, man. So I mean oh, I, yeah. I don't want any parts of that, you know. Oh, you get to with
1: Randall fibs. Oh yeah, get that.
0: No, not nah,
1: with those, too not much, with right? those two.
0: That would be ugly. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the whole uh, Julius Randall thing. He had to deal with the, the booze and stuff like that. What is Kyrie gonna do? You know, this guy he couldn't take it. What is Kyrie going to do once he blew his ass off the court?
1: He's going to throw the middle finger up or something. He's going to like leave the stadium. He's going to, yeah, especially with Randall, they probably leave together. Honestly, they probably both throw the middle finger up and just dip mid-game.
0: Yo, Kyrie probably strip naked and throw his uniform into the crowd (laughs) and just walk out. Balls out, you know. I,
1: I, I, I I can see that. I would say there's probably about a (laughs) ten to fifteen percent chance that happens if he comes here. (laughs) <laughs> Especially under Thibs and Randall, bro, because you know Thibs don't be holding anybody over the age of twenty six accountable. Yeah. So, hey,
0: I can see it. Yeah, definitely, man. So listen, man, I, I, I enjoy talking to you, man. I, I enjoy listening to you speak, man. Listening to you talk basketball, you know, it's it's in, incredible, man. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you came on, man. I'm I'm glad you um you had your water, <laughs> you know, you was able to oh, yeah. keep the palate nice and moist so you can get the, those bars out.
1: Hey, man, you gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta stay hydrated.
0: Yeah, man. You know, I, you know, I wish State was able to pop in here because I know State has some other things he wanted to throw at you just um, for conversation purposes and stuff, man. But, you know, well, yeah, we'll, well, hopefully we can get you on another time and we can definitely probably after the draft,
1: you know. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, just hit me up on uh, Twitter. Anybody else want to uh, check out my Twitter? I believe I changed it over to I'm Stupid Videos. You want to double check? Yes. Use uh, Twitter for the stream right now. But I believe it's I'm Stupid Videos on Twitter. That's yeah. my handle at the moment.
0: Yeah, let me, let me get it up back up on the screen. Yeah, no, you're good.
1: Take your time. But, yeah, like I said, it should be I'm at Stupid Videos. I do a lot of draft analysis, talk a lot of Knicks. And, uh, yeah, if you guys got any uh, comments, yep, there it is. I'm Stupid Videos is my ad. It'll come up as Stupid Videos. You see my profile picture right there. It says Stupid. It's got, you know, two eyes, tongue licking it, kind of <laughs> like a dis kind of thing. But, yeah, man, check me out on Twitter and uh if you have any questions feel free to ask me dm me if you want to leave it in the comments that works too
0: no doubt man so like like i like i say all these guys man you guys are very important to, to the conversation very important to the culture you know uh, we we had uh, mo mo takes the other day mo takes is doing his thing Hell you yeah, know man. talking to reporters and stuff like that you know you are bringing the draft aspect so we, uh, you got you know all of us are needed. we have our place in, in this thing and um we don't, we only don't as good as as the as the fans are because we have no supporters the only support we have is, is each other you know so exactly. and i encourage you to keep up the the, the great work and, and and um let's just keep going on with this man for the for the culture you know yeah man i'm i'm
1: down just you know hit me up whenever you want to have me on i'm down we'll let you know if i'm free and if i am like i said i'm definitely coming on well
0: done, well done. all right so stay popped in again so i'm um, um can you hear us good yep i'm not sure if State can hear hears all right, well so um we we're, we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast here, man. So once again, thanks again Stoop for for popping in and, and hanging out with us, man. And I, ho- I hope to have you on again soon, man. Yep. I right, know doubt, man. Shout out to the chat. Thanks for, thanks you guys for Yeah, hit them likes. Again. Yeah, hit the I mean, you know, I always forget to do that. You know. You know cuz I I'm, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about, you know, you know, making a good show and talking about the next. I always forget to to ask people to hit the thumbs up, so on the way out, guys, please hit the thumbs up, hit the like, subscribe, and all this other stuff, and comment also on YouTube so we can get that um feedback going. So state is back again. It looks like his phone got some energy because now I can see the pixels. I can see the pixels pixelating now. But um, we out of here, man. You got any closing thoughts, state?
2: First of all, stop video. I really appreciate you, you did an RJ Barrett move today, and oh, I man. want um you held it down beautifully. Everybody. I'm gonna definitely upload this podcast later on tonight. It'll be on in audio by two in the morning. I appreciate your insight. Um, Appreciate you for having me on, bud. uh, uh, Anytime, man. I wanna get you if you're free Thursday. Can you come back on the podcast so we could talk? Definitely um, while the draft is happening. But
0: well, I'm gonna be in AC, man. So
2: oh, you going? Oh, Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be at work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just. I'm working anyway that day, so it's all good. Uh, all right, all right, all right. We'll definitely. figure it out though. Next like week or two, I'll definitely come nah,
2: on nah, again. We'll definitely figure it out, I'm gonna make sure my my phone is charged like fully, for sure. Yeah. But
0: hey, man, I mean, I got a whole list of things I got to give you, man, so you can be be on point, man.
2: Yo, oh yeah, don't forget, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't forget, man. But I'm praying to God each night that you know Leon Rose doesn't move, man. I'm so happy that star videos pulled up today he actually made me feel a little bit better about the 11th pick he made me feel a little bit better about having another having abundance of second round picks so i appreciate you but the main thing is Leon rose gotta act and he gotta Mm act right right
0: now yeah yeah man i'm with you yeah so we're all a little bit more smarter today after after hanging out with Stu. appreciate y'all <laughs> but I think that's
1: more. I just do a lot of research. So i all that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, man.
0: All right, man. Thanks for coming in. So peace, guys. See you guys on the next one, man. will see you next time, man. Thanks God. for having me.
2: Evil okay. did Tom Thibodeau today. I appreciate you, even I, <laughs> I got you. I'll be better prepared next time. No
0: doubt, no doubt.
2: All right, brother. All uh,
1: right.
2: Take it easy, y'all.